podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. All right. Welcome, everyone, to Boxing Asylum Health. This is 403. I'm your host, Matthew John Ardo. You can just call me Matty. Let's stay. We got Andy Patterson. We got Smitto. We got Ozzy. I have a few more people joining us this week. Uh, but uh, we got a lot of stuff to jump into, so I, I see no reason to waste any time. Uh, just to briefly, because you all have the post podcast uh, following Joshua's knockout victory over uh, Pulev last night, so we'll just go over that quickly. Uh, Joshua taking him down by a ninth round knockout, uh, two knockdowns in the third, two in the ninth, finishing him off uh, very well. Now, sorry, my fight since I know you guys. I've already gone over it. Last minute, I decided to place a bet. The bet that I put on was uh, I did seven, Joshua, seven to nine. Ah, crap. My sound's poor again. Hey, Andy, why don't you take this for one second? Yeah, mate. Um, your sound's just kind of like cutting in and out. I mean, sometimes you you're, you're sound fine and it's kind of like poor again and stuff. But, um, well, I was in the post-fight board last night, so I'm not going to kind of go over all ground and stuff. I mean, I'm going to let Ozzy come in and stuff if he's, because he wasn't on the post-fight board last night. But, um, uh, what can we say? I mean, he's, he's, he's just basically did what he had to do there last night, comes through, the, comes through his fight and then he's done his bit, really. Uh, he's just got to kind of wait and see how things play out with, with Fury now with the, with the contract with Wilder for the potential fight next year. Um, just got to hope, uh, hope against hope that that is is, is going to it's going to come off. Um, does Wilder stand aside? I mean, that's a debate for another day, I believe. But um, at the minute, anyway, Joshua stepped in there, done his job, and that there is parts of his performance. Some people are kind of picking out and stuff. Um, I I, th- I think that the issue really is this: is he knows himself, he can get tagged and hurt. He doesn't really kind of fight good on the back foot and stuff. Um, so I think as well as if. The ghost of that first release fight, that when release punched with him, um, and he was getting success with it, Joshua had really no answers and stuff. And then obviously as well, when he wasn't like kind of listen to what my McCracken was telling him what he do and stuff like straight shots and stuff, he just kind of unraveled a wee bit. So I think it's still in the back of his mind, uh, mentally at least, um, that if he gets tagged against a guy who can put it, you know a, a combination together and stuff with, 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 with heavy punches and that, he, he he's, he's in bother potentially in big bother. So. Um, uh, in all, as I say, he could have had him out earlier, um, maybe slightly tanked a little bit, um, but in the end, he got the win. Um, people will kind of like pick it apart, and we picked it apart last night. So uh, maybe like an Aussie, a little spiddle been in, uh, a little bit and that, but if you don't, I don't know if you want to check your sound again, mate. How's it going? Yeah, it sounds fine, mate. Excellent. So, it was, yeah, it was uh, an interesting performance. Uh, like I said, I... The little small wager on him, seven to nine right before the fight started. And the third round looked like that, that was crap. And until about a minute left in the ninth round, it looked like that bet was crap. Uh, he uh, he pulled it through for me. That was a nice little bit of uh, $20 action for me. Good stuff. Um, Ozzy, uh, what, what do you think um, that is going or excuse, what do you think is going on with uh, um, with Joshua after this, are they going to move in Tyson Fury, or are they going to find some excuse to give him uh, mandatory or just some sort of a voluntary uh, defense to uh, get through the first half of 2021 with some money? Um, 
your sound kind of broke up then from but from what you were saying um i genuinely believe that from the top ranked side the queensbury side the fury side they want this fight next um i don't see particularly from the fury side i don't see them wanting to fight again i think if he was going to fight it would have been in december uh they couldn't get the numbers to work so therefore they've decided against that we've seen fury before be somewhat inactive and then come back and i think from the only way fury will fight again is if joshua they basically they want all four belts on the line and they decide to fight uzik who won't step aside and the only way you know you get rid of uzik is you vacate the wbo now for me the wbo doesn't add any additional of course it makes it you know the undisputed champion however i think for the, for, the, for the magnitude of the fight, does the extra belt matter? I certainly wouldn't look at the fight and go, I'm not watching it because the WBL belt's on the line. You could have whatever, the WBF, the I, whatever, you could have, you know, whatever bauble belt on the line. If it's between Fury and Joshua, that's exactly what we want to watch. Uh, I thought last night, I thought it was a fairly solid performance, to be honest, from Joshua. I've seen he's copped a lot of stick. Um, and, and let's have it right, he should have had Pulev out of there in the third through no fault of his own because he unleashed a huge barrage of shots. And yes, Pulev, you know, put on this act and started laughing. However, he turned his back and retreated to a corner. Now, any referee there, he, he should have been chucking Pulev out. He, look, he turned his back, he retreated. You cannot do that. And for me, it, it, that should have been fight over, game over. Now, however... He recovered and Joshua invested a lot in that third. And I think it was quite evident that the in the fourth, fifth and sixth, the, the snap had gone. And you could tell that he's somewhat fatigued, if anything, because I think he, he basically put everything into the third and expected to get Pulev out of there. That saying, I think, what did he drop? Drop Pulev three times, won pretty much every round. Yes, he got caught, but it's boxing. Uh, and And it was an emphatic finish really emphatic finish something I was quite impressed with um, I didn't watch anything last night that made me felt that he would cause any problems to Tyson Fury uh, I, I just believe that Fury is too good too big I thought it was a couple of things that were quite evident that Joshua's perhaps not quite as strong as we first thought I thought Pulev at times bullied him and usually it's Joshua doing doing the bullying you know particularly up close uh, and I think Fury's the master at that and just by sheer by leaning on him will you know, will fatigue Joshua as it is, you know, because it's just exerting energy. And perhaps one other thing to comment on is that I think he's somewhat caught between two styles. When he's the aggressor, he certainly seems more comfortable. He's throwing the shots, in, you know, in, in huge barrages and looks good doing it. But then he's also got in the back of the mind that, you know, and I think it, it's obvious to happen that, from the Ruiz round, from where he had that huge round and dropped Ruiz, but then got caught in the third as well and then dropped himself, and he's somewhat fatigued. It's still in the back of his mind, and then he retreats to go you know, to his boxing again. And it's like he is caught between the two styles of what to do, and I think the only way he can beat Fury is by being the aggressor. Now, last night, Pulev was man-made for him. Uh, big, stiff, upright, no lateral movement whatsoever there to hit but you can only beat what's in front of you and I admit I've been critical of Joshua but I'm not going to criticise him on last night's performance 
just because I believe Tyson Fury beats him does not mean I'm being critical of him from what he did last night. Uh, I just feel Fury is the better fighter, the bigger fighter. And I think that the lateral movement, the feints, will cause Joshua a hell of a lot of problems. But all in all, after 12 months out, Pulev's tough. Uh, we, we've seen him before, um, you know, against Klitschko. He, he certainly went out on his sword and, um, and you know, remained there and he didn't just retreat, you know, and just try and survive to a points win. Uh, but now, I think, look, Joshua, Joshua Uzik is a great fight. However, it's not one I want to see when we can make Fury Joshua. I think every, I think Barty Music, I think everybody in the industry, whether you're a fan, promoter, manager, cup man, toilet washer, whatever, you want to see Fury against Joshua next. There's a hell of a lot of profile now on this fight. The media are going to be reporting everything from, you know, any sort of talks. Let's have it right. A few, you know, what was it, about four months ago, Eddie Hearn came out and said, we've got an agreement. We've got an agreement uh, between Fury and Joshua. And now we're all talking about we need to get the fight happen. Well, if there's an apparent agreement there, there shouldn't be much else needed to do. But I think we all know that was a bit of smoke and mirrors. But there is will on both sides. Bob Arum came out last night and said, from Monday, we'll be working on this fight straight away. You know Frank Warren's going to be keen and we'll be making that. You know uh, Eddie Hearn is keen to make it. There should be nothing stopping this fight now from happening. The only thing that will is a crowd because they will not run this fight without a gate. They may go abroad, but they'll need somewhere from where they can get a decent gate in or you know, cash, they will not do this fight behind closed doors. Whether they go to America and do it, I don't know. I would love to see it in the UK, given it's two, you know, two uh, two heavyweights from the UK. I would love to see it here, but ultimately it will go to the highest bidder. If somebody from Antarctica offered to pay them 200 million, it would go to Antarctica purely for financial reasons. So it will go to we're, the highest we're... bidder. We're, we're in a global recession right now. This is going to end up in the UAE or something of that nature. It, it's it's going to end up yeah. oil money. Exactly that, yeah. It, it could end up, you know, where, again, Dubai, uh, UAE, uh, Saudi Arabia, where people have just got huge sums of cash and they will chuck money at it as a site fee and, and that's where the fight will end up. Like I said, I'd love it to happen in the UK. Sadly, I don't think it will. But as long as it happens, I really don't mind where it happens. As long as well, the fight happens, I don't mind where um, what country it takes place. Yeah. So um, it, it is. I hope my sound is, be is better now. Um, you guys will be able to let me know. But um, happy to have with us also Stephen Lynch has joined us here to talk about some heavyweight action here um see, uh, not to go on too uh, long here but um you know I, I the point is right there it's that uh where's the money to be made on fury versus joshua without gate uh and i think that is going to be the holdup on this um i think you'd also need gate for the Usyk fight as well um so you know your thoughts on the fight and if we're looking at in six months seeing uh andy joshua or excuse me anthony joshua in with some dude 
Oh, well, the, the, the first thing about the fight is um, I, I was agreeing a lot with what Oz was saying there previously, to be fair. Um, I, I think it was a it was a pretty decent performance by Joshua, looking at everything in the round. He did what he had to do. He was probably very conscious of not um, uh, gas, gassing himself out after the Klitschko fight and the first Ruiz fight. Um, he did seem to be getting caught between two two styles there. And yeah, I, I was really surprised that Pelev didn't um, use more of his jab, to be honest. I, I was expecting him to, to, you know, to establish that early doors, but um, he seemed to come with the game plan of um, trying to take out Joshua, really, which, you know, I think often when people come with that game plan, it, it, it ends up being, you know, a bit counterproductive. I think it makes the other fighter go into a, you know, more of a defensive shell, to be honest, and kind of gives the game away. I think, you know, clearly you have to set these things up. You have to, if you've got a good jab and Pelev's got one of the better jabs in the division, really, he, I think he should have made more of it. But um, I think, yeah, Joshua is still sort of recovering from that first Ruiz blowout, really. And um, the life and death fight he had with Klitschko, although he, you know, he, although he won that one. Um, yeah, so I think that, that discussion there, just to pick up on the, the back end of that, um, this is really quite extraordinary because if, you know, hopefully this fight gets signed and made, it, you could say that this fight, and Eddie Hearn and people will certainly say this, that this fight will be arguably the biggest sporting, a British sporting event since you know the 1966 World Cup final, you, you can credibly you know try and argue that if you're trying to spin it. And the incredible thing is, as you guys have been saying on the call, that it will likely probably end up somewhere in America. It may go to the Middle East somewhere for pure money reasons. Um, it may be that the COVID sort of restrictions mean that it's that's more likely to happen as well. Um, I would rather it be seen in the UK, but you know, it's if, if it has to happen to make everybody, you know, who needs to get rich from this, you know, if it makes everybody happy who needs to be happy, then so be it. You know, I'm I'm quite pragmatic with that. But um, the the question I I just wanted to throw open, and um, I only raise it because it will probably be what slows up the negotiations. To be honest, is. Uh, who's the A-side in this fight? Because you can see both camps um, will probably try to argue for that. They'll try to, um, you know, claim that sort of top villain and, you know, the the lion's share and the other things, even though I understand that they've agreed the money and the purse splits already, at least, you know, in principle. Um, I think that's a key thing to, to bear in mind. Not that if it doesn't affect me, who's the A-side, you know, the money doesn't go into my pocket, but, um, it, it is something probably to talk about because, you know, we saw Mayweather and Pacquiao basically argue points like this for three or four years or five or six years before they eventually fought each other. So, you know, what do you guys think? If, if I can throw a question back back to you, who who is the A-side in, in this fight? Um, I don't know. I mean... Uh... I'll bring Matt in on this one, because I've been through all this stuff with the Floyd Pacquiao stuff in that back in the day, but the A-side thing, just look, if they say 50-50, I'd say that's everything, right? Um, 
foreign broadcast deals, Sky Money, ESPN, BT will be involved as well. I think everything's in the pot, 50-50 split. Um, that's just the best way forward. Everybody's going to get paid at the end of the day. And, you know, Gareth A. Davis was actually, I don't know if anybody's seen the, uh, the zone feed last night, but Gareth A. Davis was, was saying uh, that Heron's told him at least that, you know, they're looking at least between 100 million, you know, f- for both fighters and that. So that's all I got money. That's definitely Middle East. Yeah. Um, you know, unless we start getting massive rollouts of this vaccine and stuff, you know, America needs it needs, needs to have fans. UK, we need to have fans and stuff. Um, I don't know how many was there at Saudi Arabia again and stuff, but um, you, know, you can imagine them putting up big money um, and maybe just kind of keep it local, uh, you know, local people kind of going into it, like royalty and all that sort of stuff and that. But it's not something I really want to get involved in because it really bores the pants off me, actually. It really does A side and B side and stuff. Yeah. They've all got, they've all, they're all bringing their own bit to the table. I mean, what we all know is this uh, Tyson Fury, for example, will, will bring the banter, he'll bring the verbal chat and stuff. I don't think Joshua will be able to cope with it. I think he'll have his moments and stuff, but uh, and then we'll get the story about that Joshua's got three belts. We'll hear the uh, the, the story title of the lineal story again get mentioned by ESPN to the to the bitter end and stuff. So, say uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a promoter's dream actually. You know, Eddie's going to be doing his bit, Frank will be doing his bit, but um, yeah, it's not something I really want to involve the A, a side, B side, and that. But it's going to come up. Who's going to walk the ring first? Who's going to walk the ring? Yeah, we don't care about any of that really. It's, it, it should be it should be fifty fifty. There'll obviously be wranglings in the background, but you know they told us months ago that they had a deal agreed in principle. I, for one, think that Frank's going to be bypassed in a, in a lot of this, either by accident or on purpose. I don't. I can't see him having too much involvement. And in terms of the location, it would be a shame if it wasn't in Britain, with it being such a big event between two Brits, obviously. Um, but for me personally, yeah, I don't care. It makes it makes no difference to me. I won't be going to Wembley anyway. If it if it was at Wembley, um, it makes no difference to me. It would be a shame. But if 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 it means that they've got to fight on the moon for this fight to go ahead, because that's where the most money is going to be, then then so be it. That don't bother me one bit. I agree, uh, but. I think it's a fight that needs to be 50-50. I, I don't see any of either or going, well, I'll take, you know, 55-45. I think they both bring different qualities to the table. Um, and naturally, both are each other's biggest paydays. Uh, they're both going to be making a fortune. I mean, what they said, they were basically saying that if, if Joshua got beat last night, he pretty much forfeits 200 million because it's two fights. He's not getting that sort of money to box anybody else, anybody. And likewise, neither is Tyson Fury. So if there's the will for it to happen, I think talks of A side and B side, bar from a bit of publicity, which will naturally come out, you know, oh, yeah, we'll talk to Stalin about the A and the B side and who walked first. But I think a lot will be, you know, you know, pretty much split down the middle. The only, the only, I think it will go across both in the UK. Will go across both BT and Sky pay per view platforms um, in America, which will be that will be interesting because I don't know what sort of deal Joshua has got with DAZN, but Fury's with ESPN. Now, how the hell will DAZN even compete with ESPN? I've absolutely no idea. Um, and I mean, ESPN's a huge, huge platform. Uh, and again, I mean. There isn't a pay-per-view platform for ESPN, is there? It's all 
or is that ESPN Plus? I'm, I'm not sure how it works over in the US. Subscription based. But, I think it's an online subscription. So like, yeah, yeah. regular pay per views. The, the ESPN Plus platform just gives you a couple of different options. Right. Yeah. So, th- so there's no out and out. You know, extra. We're going to put you know X, Y, and Z on for um, for you know an extra pay per view. That's not going to happen. So I mean, whereas the zone again is just subscription based as well, but nothing can compete with the ESPN subscription base. So I think there'll be different bits and pieces what will be worked around there. But all in all, I, I don't want to. Be, it, Matty said it right. We're in a global pandemic. I don't want to be hearing talk of you know I'm not getting you know I want to be earning 120 million instead of 100 million. Like, come on, let's have it right. Here. Yeah. If you're that keen, if you're that keen to make the fight. Um, I'm not saying, you know, like, oh, forfeit, you know, 20 million, but that's not going to happen. 50-50, you know, it'll go, you might get different, you know, furies with BT, so we might get more of the percentage of BT buys. Likewise, Joshua with Sky. But, you know, they're I mean, both in different qualities, and for me, it should be split down the middle to make this fight happen. You know, in these hard times, it's uh, these guys are going to have to realize that uh, 60% of what you were making is a shit ton more than a hundred percent of nothing. So, yeah. um, Smino, let me let me ask you this, and I'm going to ask you a little compare contrast on this one, my man. Um, so last night you saw Joshua third round, almost had Pula out, let him off the hook, came back and knocked him out. On the other side of the pond, Verdejo uh, let Nakatani off the hook, and he suffered some serious consequences. Um, what what do you see between those two fighters, and uh, what, what does that speak about trying to see of levels and um, killer instinct, maybe? Well, yeah, I mean, you're going to Joshua's been known previously as having a good good killer instincts and good finishing qualities, but you know that's has come into question a little bit, obviously, since he knocked down Ruiz and, and lost that fight. Um, yeah, we saw what happened to Video last night. I think that was for different reasons, really. As far as I could see it, Joshua ran out of time a little bit in the third round rather than running out of energy or gas or Pulev coming back. I thought he ran out of time a little bit. Um, I think but I think that he should have put his foot down or continued putting his foot down into the four and getting the getting the fight done. Pulev, as we know, was turning around in the corner ready to ready to pack it in kind of thing. And and I think Joshua should have it would have impressed me, obviously, and a lot of us um, significantly more if he'd have got the fight finished earlier. Um I think personally that Joshua was um, f- fighting into the fourth and the fifth round in the back of his mind, thinking, "I don't want to gas out here. We've been here before. I don't want to gas out here," which is which is fair enough. But I think that's against what he should be doing. Maybe McCracken in the corner was telling him, "Just calm it down. You know, you've got him where you want him. No need to rush in," which would be fair enough given what happened in Madison Square Garden um, in in May 2019. But you know, he was. He was boxing cautiously after the two knockdowns. I thought Pulev won the fifth, and was and Pulev was you know smiling and com- coming back more comfortable again. That's a dangerous game you're playing because, as we always say about the heavyweights, it could, they, they don't they only need to land one punch, and Pulev could have landed that one punch having been let off the hook. So I think he was let off the hook a bit of it due to time, uh, the time left in the third round, and a, and a bit of it due to Joshua going back to his cautious ways and. And you know, saving saving the gas for the later rounds. I think that overall, Joshua's you know last night, what not a lot went wrong really. Last night, um, he's got the knock the highlight reel win, knockout win um, against the mandatory challenger. 
Um, he's not took any damage himself, really. But, you know, as we've identified, the signs are there that, you know, he's uncomfortable in regards to taking punches, being under pressure, gassing, which is which he's done previously. So, you know, and that is, that's against a 41-year-old Pulev that's basically not fought anyone for four or five years. So can he continue that approach? And as Ozzy said, possibly caught in between styles, can he continue that approach going into the into the against more talented fighters like um, Fury, Usyk, possibly Wilder again when he comes back at some point? I don't think so, to be honest. Um, I didn't see all of the Vadejo fight, Matty, so I don't want to comment too much and, and show myself up. Oh no, fair enough. Um, let, let, let me ask this, um, and feel free anyone to jump in on this. Agree or disagree? Alexander Usyk is made for Anthony Joshua. I disagree with that. Uh, the, just the reason being, I think he's just got the skills. Um, we know that he's not hes not going to go in. We've only seen him twice at heavyweight, but he's not going to be as dominant at heavyweight. I personally thought that he, sh- he was going to and should have knocked out Derek Chisora. That would have been a statement when, you know, going, going to bigger and better challenges at heavyweight. He didn't do that. He, you could argue he was found out slightly. I wouldn't be as harsh as that, but it could have been more impressive against Chisora, let's put it that way. Um but no, I don't think I definitely don't think he's made for Joshua. Just the movement. I think Joshua need Pulev was the perfect opponent for Joshua. Big stiff idiot, basically. Um, mm-hmm. um, so jo- I think Joshua needs to be settled. He's so, he's so drilled, and because it's not this boxing game ain't as natural to Anthony Joshua as it is the likes of Tyson Fury. He was quite late to the game. He didn't have all that many amateur fights, despite winning a gold medal and having a decorated amateur career. He didn't have that many amateur fights, so he he needs to be settled. And going through the drills in his head. And here we are. We stood here. I've got my feet right. He's in range. Let's throw the one-two. Usyk's going to be moving. And I don't feel... And Fury obviously moves, but to, in, a, in, you know, in a different way, obviously, he's a much bigger man. Fury and Usyk, with their movement, neither of them are very good for, for Joshua because I think that they could bamboozle him and, and offset him and you know, with the feints and, and you know, keep him guessing, keep him thinking. And just Joshua just moving around, there's potential of him guessing as well, regardless of... It, uh, he, if he, if he's, he could throw punches and miss as well against Usyk and, and Fury, and that's going to potentially gas him as well. So I know I keep saying it, but this this gas tank issue with Fury is, is a biggie for him for the rest of his career. Now, look, my argument, see, on that is Josh was only gotten in trouble really when he's traded with people, and I don't think Usyk can hurt him in an exchange. So either Usyk is going to have to fight uh, fight in such a negative fashion he can't pile up points, or he's going to have to trade with Joshua, and he and he won't be able to do it for twelve rounds without getting knocked out. Thoughts? I'll leave that one open to the likes of Stephen. But yeah, I think that's a that's a fair point, Matty. To be fair, yeah, the Usyk lack of power is yeah that's a fair point. Well, what I'll say on that is. Just speaking specifically about Joshua, what what I've always thought, and I thought this was reinforced last night, was um, he, he he's a pattern fighter, isn't he? AJ, I feel like he's he's fighting to a script, or sometimes two or three scripts, and so clearly he, he's not as fluent as as Joshua. Oh, sorry, as Fury, he's not as fluent and fluid as Fury, and so I think that's one of his um, his big weaknesses. You know there is there's at least one blueprint out there how to how to beat Joshua I think um, and I don't look Usyk I'll be I'll be frank with you I've not watched uh, enough of him to to have a you know 
I don't want to comment too much on him and kind of blag it, but um, I've watched a lot more of Fury and Joshua. But on, on the face of it, I think I think that's a competitive fight. I think Usyk, Joshua, that's a that's a hell of a fight. They both got great pedigrees from the amateurs, and you know they're having a great pro career so far. They look the business. Um, yeah, whether Usyk's power still carries up to to heavyweight, that's kind of a a big issue as well. But um, yeah, I don't know. What, don't know what the other guys think on that. Well, yeah, fire away on that one, guys. I think that's that's kind of this is kind of an open call on this this matchup because I wouldn't doubt we see it before Fury. Well, I mentioned before the, the only way we're, we're going to see it is if any sort you know basically so there's any sort of hold up and they opt to take the. They opt to take the the man uh, the second mandatory, which is Uzik, uh, because they want all the belts on the line for the Fury fight. But th- that's a dangerous game, and I certainly believe U- Uzik can a hurt um, Joshua without a doubt, uh, and b I, I wouldn't say he's, he's man made for him at all because again, Joseph Parker caused Joshua problems. The cards won't reflect it, but that was a lot closer than what the scorecards had. A lot of people are making up, oh, yeah, Derek Chisora, you know, exposed Uzik. Derek Chisora went into the fight with absolutely fuck all to lose. And watch the fight on mute. It was a hell of a lot wider than, one A, what your cards will say, and, B, what the commentary had you believe in. Of course, Uzik wasn't at his best, but he came out and admitted that. And what did he give himself? A 5 out of 10? Anthony Joshua will not fight the way Derek Chisora did against Alexander Uzik. And Joshua can certainly be picked off. Um, and I think Joshua for last, last night as well. We, we talk about, you know, Uzik not having power, but it's more timing. Of course, he's not got that, you know, the, the wilder sort of power. Well, not many fighters do. I've said this about Joshua. He levelled Pulev last night, but I'll tell you what, there was at times where he threw the kitchen sink at Pulev and Pulev laughed at him. Now, how demoralising must that be? Um I certainly, I just think Uzik's lateral movement would cause problems as well. Um, Peter Fury mentioned it last night. Tyson Fury's a different ball game compared to Pulev, just with the sheer movement. And I put Uzik in that bracket as well. The guy moves. The guy has seen everything. Um, I don't think the power is an issue either. The, the, you know, there's talk Gassiev hits, you know, he clearly hits as hard as, you know, like some of the big heavyweights from stories we've seen. And, you know, Uzik had no problems there whatsoever. I think it's a close fight, but I think it's certainly winnable for Uzik as well, w- without a doubt. This guy was, you know, an elite cruiserweight, and I would already put already put in the put him in the bracket as a world class heavyweight. Um, the fact that you know that they didn't they wanted to fight Joshua straight away, so there's no qualms, you know, there's no worry about you know him trying to, you know. They don't care about fighting Anthony Joshua in terms of, you know, we want fights, you know, to warm into the heavyweight division. They were more than happy to take it straight away. So there's no fear there. And I, and I think it could be all wrong for Joshua without a doubt. Of course, Joshua's going to bring his own qualities as well. And I think, you know, when he does unleash the flurry of punches, he's, he, he can be quite a bit of a killer instinct. It can be exactly like that. But I don't think he'd be able to do that to Uzik. I think Uzik could be moving. I don't think he'd be able to pin him down like he did. Uh, 
and certainly it's a huge risk and I would not be confident. I think it's a huge risk and it's not something I'd be very confident in, you know, seeing and saying, well, if, if Joshua Ruzik happens in, say, for example, uh, March, I would not be willing to put anything down to say that we'll guarantee to see Joshua Fury later that year. They dropped the belt, it, wouldn't they? If, sorry, if they were match room, you'd think if they were forced to for Joshua to fight um, Usyk, if it was, is, is it the IBF that he's mandatory for? Surely they drop the belt and just go and try and fight Fury for most of the belts. Oh, I That's agree, but it's all about it's all about the motive as well of being undisputed, isn't it? And and if they want that to happen. Uh, there's going to be no bigger fight than you know, than seeing you know, two Brits, the two best heavyweights in the world, fr- fighting it all out for all the legitimate world titles. I don't can't count that um, IBL nonsense. So it, it's going to be interesting for me. There's enough money there to pay Usyk an absolute truckload of cash, talking millions of dollars to say, look, step aside. The the issue is, is that regardless is you're going to see an immediate rematch unless you know someone that you know gets a serious injury uh you're going to be seeing the immediate rematch so the next mandatory will be but then you that's where you then might see right we win the rematch is happening we chuck the wbo belt straight away we chuck that straight away because then the the first fight will be you know four undisputed uh you win that and then you chuck it straight away you've still got the accolade of being undisputed I don't know what's going to happen. It's going to take. You've obviously got that third party of you know Alexander Usyk um, involved, and you've ultimately got to please them. If you want all the belts on the line, you have got to please them first before anything else can happen, because they play a big role inadvertently. Because they are more than entitled to their mandatory shot next. The WBO called it. It's got to happen. No two ways about it. Whether they chuck it, I don't know. For me, I'd like to see all the belts on the line. Um, I think it'd be huge. It just adds that, you know, it's another ingredient, you know, to add the fact that the winner of this fight will become undisputed. And I think if you offer, you know, Alexander Ruzik millions of dollars to say, right, you have got a guaranteed fight for the WBO title next, there'll be an agreement for where the, the WBO will be vacated. Ruzik will probably win the WBO belt. You'll get the re- you'll get the rematch happening, and then the winner of the rematch um, will no doubt can then go and fight Uzik for, again for all the belts because the IBF I don't think will be due because that would have been that's just been boxed for um, the WBEC just barely call a mandatory and when it is they happily toss it off uh, and then your WBO would have been contested for as well and the WBA they're an absolute joke anyway and they'll happily take you know a wheelbarrow full of cash not to call another mandatory as well. And just to wrap this up uh, real quick over to Stephen Lynch on this, um, you know, I was thinking about just real quick back to uh, the potential Fury Joshua fight when that happens. There's any reason whatsoever why Tyson Fury should be the A side getting more than 50% of the money. It's because he's the one who will actually market the fight effectively. Do you agree or disagree? So I I agree with what you're saying. He he will he I mean he will market it more than effectively. We we all know that he's a walking 
pro promotional company. You know, he's a walking, talking, you know, press office of PR people by himself um, with what he does. And, um, you know, I, I, I hope they don't do this, but you could conceivably charge people to um, to watch the press that first press conference between Fury and AJ or like the hour-long face-off interview thing they do. I think it would be absolute, you know, box office compelling viewing because um, Fury is um, with the mind games, you know, he just like, he just, I think he just has a, he has an intuitive sense of how to get under his opponent's skin and he did it. He did it against Klitschko and he, and he did it severely against Wilder as well, I think. Um, I, I, I don't even think he, he consciously decides to do it. I don't think he like kind of plans and scripts it. I think, you know, like I said earlier, it's, I think it's more of his personality to be spontaneous and unpredictable. Born entertainer. Born entertainer. Absolutely. Absolutely born entertainer. Um, I still listen back to some of the the press conferences with Wilder for the second fight in particular, and it's just like it's it it you have to admire it, you know, you have to you have to be impressed by his, his trash talking skills, and it, it'd be interesting to see what kind of approach he takes actually if this fight gets made. Um, what he typically does, what Fury I think does in fights, and you know, in general, is he likes to. He likes to surprise people and he likes to confound people's expectations. So he, you know, he might even do something completely, you know, the opposite. We might expect him to go in calling him a dosa and, you know, Malvin this and that. And, you know, he might go in and be really sort of, you know, respectful or passive and, and docile to kind of to throw off Joshua. But um I think I think with Joshua, he he is this point has been made a lot, but he he is a bit like Klitschko, like he is uh, Vladimir Klitschko. He's trying to he's trying to model himself on him with the fighting style, I think. And um, I think the fight itself, just to touch on that briefly, the fight itself, I think that could end up being a bit of a replay between when Fury fought Vladimir Klitschko. So, in other words, a bit of a chess match with you know Fury staying on the outside, just making, you know, the other guy look stupid um, and just sort of confusing them, um, you know, trying to disrupt their um, their pattern, basically. Um, I hope it's more exciting than that. I hope there's more sort of action, even though that was really skillful. But um, I, I can't wait. I can't wait for the... I hope it gets signed and I can't wait to see them to in a room together just to see how them to react to each other because um i'm sure you guys covered this yesterday in the, in the other podcast but um joshua has this weird thing you guys have probably covered this where it, i listen to him speak in different interviews with different outlets and sometimes i feel like i'm listening to a different person so like yesterday when he was doing the sky interviews and he was being asked you know are you the best heavyweight or you know do you want to fight Tyson Fury? Like he, he, he seems incapable of giving just like a straight answer. And, you know, for somebody who has like 30 or 40 people in the garage and I don't know how many PR people he has working for him, but you know, how, how hard is it to, to, to just say something to the effect of, you know, Tyson Fury, bring it on, you know, you're next. I'm going to, 
I'm going to bang you up, but I'm going to take those belts off you. How hard is it to just say something like that rather than kind of talking around the, the topic, which he does sometimes? It's just like really, I think it makes it, it makes him hard to relate to sometimes, to be honest, because um, he just kind of talks in this sort of psychobabble stuff. And it, it just sounds like he's just trying to be intelligent and profound all the time. Um, just um sorry sorry steve just to bring some like balance to the who's the a side I, we, not that we really care but who's going to promote this fight yes we would all say that tyson fury's got the got the better personality and the more gen, you know genuine funnier believable joshua is um is pr trained to an inch into an inch of his life as steven's just alluded to but let's remember Ty, uh, anthony joshua is the mainstream star like Fury's done well, like in the last in the last couple of years, he's had shows on ITV and that, you know, he's done well, like, but Joshua is the face of Lynx, he's on JD adverts, he is literally the face of Sky Sports, you know, he is the, cl we know the history and we know the reasons what's behind it, but he's the clean cut of the two, he's getting through to the to the man on the street. I had people texting me last, last night about AJ. Don't worry about it, Smito, anyway, because it's not happening next. You bet your fucking life this Usyk fight is next. I think it will personally. I think it will personally. I'm normally negative about it, but I think it will personally. I was just going to say, just briefly on the music situation, I think it would be an ideal fight for Joshua. If there wasn't so much riding on it, actually, it would be an ideal opponent from a kind of face fury because obviously with the feints, the style, the lateral movement, you know, the turning to the side and that, it's a kind of smaller version as to how Fury would probably fight him and stuff. But obviously Fury can walk him down. I mean, people need to remember that. You know, when, when you've seen Joshua up against Klitschko, they look like big units, obviously. But then when you've seen Fury fighting Klitschko, uh, fighting Klitschko and that, you, people seem to realise that they just sometimes forget as to how fucking big Fury actually is and that. that I could actually see Fury actually walking him down at some point. Because uh, we saw it uh, very briefly last night that when he was forced to kind of go back a little bit when Pulev attacked him, he doesn't know what to do. He just kind of throws a jab out there, kind of keeps it out long to try and prevent anything coming in uh, or hitting him running about the face and stuff. And then he should be grappling. But um, just, just thought I'd throw that in there. So, yeah, I, I think music might be ideal prep for Joshua, but I just don't think it's a fight for him at this time because, as I say, there's just, there's just so much riding. Uh, on on this on this fight next and stuff and you just don't know again what's going to happen with the court situation with Fury and you know, Wilder. We'll just need to wait and see. Absolutely, and um, so let's uh, move on to the undercard here. Um, Ozzy, why don't you give us your thoughts on the range of fights here? I, I got some of them. I didn't catch uh, Huey Fury. Um, so. Uh, I missed anything. I did detect uh, always smoking uh, that late. Uh, pretty frightening at times. Uh, what are your thoughts? Um, I didn't think the undercard was great, to be honest. Uh, I mean, quick run through. Kez Ashvak um, beat Ashley Lane. Again, no real interest in that. Ashvak bouncing back from a defeat against Mark Leach earlier this year. Kieran Conway, I think. Look, he was good against Macaulay McGowan. We'll, we'll probably be disappointed that he didn't get McGowan out of there. Conway looked massive compared to McGowan and probably should have got him out of there as well. And I think, you know, we, we spoke, speak about Joshua having that killer instinct. It's probably something Conway lacked a little bit last night because McGowan was there for the taking and he, he, he just didn't capitalise on it. Uh, Florian Marco against Jamie Stewart. Bit of an upset. 
there's talk, you know, um, you know, the, the cards were, were unfair and and Mark, who was actually jobbed of a win, um, you know, it, it's rare you see the away fighter actually benefit from a dodgy card. Uh, Huey Fury against Marius Wack. I thought myself, I thought Fury looked pretty decent early on until he got caught. And I thought I thought he caught well with the cut. And, and big shout out to Kerry Kays in the corner, who did a tremendous job on what was a horrendous cut. Um, and I, I just thought Fury looked better, just trying to be a bit more of the aggressor. Look, wax tough as old boots. It's probably not the best of fights, you know, to you know to show your aggression and look good in. Uh, but I did think it was a, a, a much improved performance from Fury, which I thought had the potential to be an absolute stinker, like I'm talking a horrible snooze fest, but it wasn't that. Um, but Coley Kuzmin, I thought, great start inside the first four rounds, but Marcus McDonald's card of 98-92 was garbage. Uh, I thought it was a lot closer than that. I thought if Kuzmin had have actually bothered to train and turn up in shape, it's a fight he could have won, because he certainly had Bacoli, you know, he was tagging Bacoli and had Bacoli in you know, a bit of trouble at times. Uh, I think round two was probably the highlight round. But Kuzmin's conditioning was shocking. And this guy's had notice for this fight. It's not, you know, a short notice fight. And then the chief support, which I say in inverted commas, because it's certainly not a chief support, was Lawrence Acoli against uh, Nikodem Jozowski. I think the sixth best cruiserweight in Poland. Whoa. And he certainly showed because the guy was trash. Um, I thought Acoli looked good. He's going to because the opponent was trash, but he looked a lot sharper. You could tell he's improved under Shane McGuigan, who I'm a big fan of as a trainer. But, and look, I know he should have been fighting Glowacki last night for the for the WBO uh, vacant cruiserweight title. And he probably would have beaten Glowacki last night. However, you, you just can't get too excited about that sort of opponent, given he was absolute trash and he just can't hold a shot. He looked like a deer in the headlight, just completely, just completely froze. Um, posed no problems whatsoever to to a Coley. And look, he'll fight early on next year for the um, for the vacant title against Cloacki. I think he'll come through that. I think that's the easiest test, to be honest, uh, against Cloacki. But I just want to pick up on a couple of things last night said by. Um, Johnny Nelson, from where he came out and said a Coley knocks out Maris Bradis. Now, I think that's a bit of a laughable statement, to be honest. Look, a Coley's come through pretty much every test with flying colours, but there's levels to this game. And and let's not, you know, we, we've seen some outrageous things said before, particularly from Nelson, from where he said about, he said, uh, what's his face, Tennyson at knockout. Uh, Javonta Davis. He also said Rob <laughs> McCracken. Would, he also said Rob McCracken last night would be pissed off if Joshua knocked out Pulev in a round. I mean, name me a trainer that in a mandatory defence for a world title and your fighter wins in a round, pissed off. Please explain why. His his response was because he didn't get to showcase things he worked on in the gym. Well, from what I care, if you can go knock an opponent out in a round, regardless of what it is. You're doing all right. And then he comes out with this stuff from where, you know, he knocks out Bradis. Bradis is a different gravy to Glowacki. And he's definitely a different gravy to that pole he fought last night. 
So let's not get too, you know, with the outrageous shouts. Certainly think of Coley will beat Glowacki, but the likes of Bradis, Dortico, even Makabu are going to be, you know, sterner tests without a doubt. Well, and it seems from the opinion of everyone here that the Senator uh, card was crap and not worth talking about anymore. Um, Andy, I'm going to turn it over to you. Uh, last week, uh, I got weird reactions uh, for basically writing off Felix for Dejo, and I got love that accent and everything else, but uh, I don't look too stupid uh, sitting here today. What are your thoughts on that fight? Uh, you broke out a wee bit there, mate. I think you, you were talking about the Verdejo fight. Yes. Thank you. Aye, so sorry, mate. You're, you're breaking out and then you kind of come in clear again and stuff. But um, yeah, I'll just briefly mention that card if you want. Um, Shakur Stevenson, uh, Toka Khan, Clara. I mean, I watched that for about four or five rounds. Uh, pretty repetitive. Stevenson kind of like, you know, showing, show, basically showcasing his skills and stuff. And, you know, in the end, I'm surprised that he basically shut out that guy in the end. And that was uh, very kind of like, Repetitive for Dejo. Um, I thought he, he started very, very well in that fight. Actually, obviously, I mean, he's he not doing Nakatani in that uh, was first round, I think it was round four, I'm sure it was. And uh, especially that first knockdown with the right hand, full extension on it. And you're like, Jesus Christ, that guy's not going to get up. And for Dejo, you're thinking, finally going to kind of like meet this promise that he's you know, he's been getting touted for like so many years. And um, I just thought after the, especially after the fifth, maybe the sixth, I think it was, I thought there was a visible change in, uh, as to how he was fighting because uh, I don't know if it was gas um, or whatever. Not just like a started to get his foothold in the fight. He started straight shots and stuff. Really started kind of like putting it on Verdejo, and um, you know, he unraveled pr pretty much right in front of us because you know. Very seldom do you see fighters and that. I mean, get, get dropped and get dropped like that off a jab. And um, and obviously they kind of follow up in that. He just gets he just gets absolutely face planted. Um, so again, I mean, I'm, there's a few people I have never been high in Verdejo. I mean, he's had problems with his lifestyle. He's had hand problems. He's overpriced himself at fights. Yeah, that guy should have fought for a world title. But now he's like that's his like 29th fight or something, 30th fight that he fought there last night. You know, it feels like he's just never going to get there. You know, he, he is a good good fighter, but um, good talent. But I think it's just one of the cases. You know, in this situation, this, the talent hasn't worked hard enough to kind of get it over the line. Um, so it says he was he was winning the fight as well on the scorecards, and, uh, and then in the end, he, he just he just stopped off that jab. But as I says, he was gradually kind of you know for me, I thought he was he was kind of wearing down. He was maybe slightly gassing and stuff. So um, Macatani's obviously wanting that Lopez fight. A rematch, sorry, and that, but you, you need to mention Verdejo was absolutely loading up in a lot of his shots there last night. Maybe that was part of his problem, um, because Nakatani ended up going to the hospital after that fight as well. His face was badly swollen and that, so um, maybe that's maybe a, a wee slight in Verdejo. Maybe he's trying to kind of like every punch was you know, a knockout punch. So Verdejo so, used to be with, with Wildcard, Andy. I'm not sure. Was maybe he was, I. I, I he was, was at one stage and they couldn't get him to train, wasn't it? That was the thing. Freddie Rhodes was like, look at this kid is fucking unbelievable. But if he's not going to come to the gym, he can fucking forget about it because I can't do anything with him. There was another Sh one actually. Shades of Savage. Uh, there was another one. I think it was Frankie Gomez. was another one actually. I don't Gomez know if was was Freddy's yeah. fighter. But uh, just, just, just before I pass it back to you, Matt, I mean, obviously, um, there's I like flyweight that I'm high on at the minute. Jesse Rodriguez. He's with Robert Garcia's gym, uh, gym and stuff. He he beat. No, no, so much, but he stopped uh, uh, Baby Juarez there last night. 
anybody who's keeps an eye on that kind of like lighter weight divisions and stuff, you know, Juarez has been in with the who's who, the kind of lower weights and stuff. He's fought the Wang Heng, he fought Milan Melindo, Edwin Hernandez, guys like that. He even fought Ken Shiro to, to, to 12 rounds. And Rodriguez has come in there and, uh, and just smashed him up in two rounds and stuff. So a uh, bit of a signature win for him there last night, young Jesse Rodriguez and stuff, uh, high up the rankings. I think a fight between him and Gaito, who had a, a win in Argentina last night, uh, would be great. Uh, maybe the Soto fight, who's WBO champ. But um, at some point, there's going to be some you know, filthy fights to make it like flyweight between like, uh, Rodriguez, um, Gaito, Ken Shiro, uh, Soto and stuff. And then obviously this kid is what I think he's going to be. Once he goes up to the uh, goes up to uh, one twelve and stuff, uh, there's just there's just great fights to be made there. So uh, keep an eye on that kid, Jesse Rodriguez. Hey, Bob, you have to uh, just check out this card and see if we're going to get a streak of first-round KOs. Sorry, mate, you broke up there. Who else caught this card last night? There you go. Better now. Don't think any bills caught it, mate, to be honest with you. Um, this is, if anybody can have caught it, that would be the, mainly the main events and stuff. But... Uh, um. I says I think it was a good fight, Nakatani Verdejo. Like it really was. You know, it's, it's worth a watch, definitely. Um, as I says, it was just shocking because uh, it was just the knockdowns were violent. But just it was just uh, how Verdejo just basically unravelled for me. Actually, was was the shock. Actually, it was basically the shock of the night or shock of the weekend for me. Actually, yeah, it's, he's an almost. He's a B fighter who, on his best nights, a B plus, and that's what he'll always be. Nothing wrong with that. You're just not talking. Um, here, uh, they, does anyone have any thoughts on Kalinga beginning his streak of first-round knockouts, uh, this time at the, in the 158-pound division, moving north? Balinga, um well, look, to be honest with you, he's, he's getting it all his own way. And it's, it's, as a fighter that I may keep an eye on and stuff, he is getting active, but um, we need to see. You know, I think we need to start seeing you know, some resistance fights. You know, something really to kind of you know work on. And I, I know the guy that he fought was it Lionel Bellows and stuff. I think he was expected to take take that kid rounds, and they got blown out in one round and stuff. So um, maybe it is a situation you just can't get opponents to last with him. Maybe the power is absolutely legit, but at some point we need to see him get some sort of resistance and get you know just something to think about, something you know, like coming back at him. Um, see, that's like the last three fights I've seen of him. He's he is good to watch. I must admit, he's destroying everything that he hits. But um, I just think we need to see a wee bit of variation. You know, actually, just uh, step up at the right time in that, obviously. But I want to see him tested to a wee bit of a degree at least. Well, and the, he he has big plans. He wants to headline the uh, Puerto Rican Day. Weekend, um, and you are coming up. We'll see what that looks like. Um, but it's, it'll be an interesting moment uh, for this kid. Uh, Puerto Rico really needs a star at this point in time, especially with Verdejo getting uh, knocked uh, knocked on his ass. So we'll see what happens there. Um, uh, let's see here. Does anybody else have any thoughts on this card before we move on into uh, the uh, Chikor Stevenson card? 
I haven't a clue what you said, dude. <laughs> you struggling big time, dude. Struggling, and that's rich coming from me. Oh, great. <laughs> hey, if you have any thoughts on the card, go for it. On Shakur, I have. I've just seen that. As Andy said, I just saw a bit of this Shakur Stevenson. Um, so I haven't watched the whole fight. Didn't catch the Verdejo fight, but I'm looking forward to catching it up based on the reports. Shakur Stevenson to me is a guy that needs an opponent. Um, needs a big fight. He's, I mean, obviously the pandemic is going to tr- throw up these kind of guys. Like, what's his name? Tokan Cleary or Tokan opponent? Whoever the fuck he was, he must be talking on something last night before he went in the ring because he didn't have a chance. But I really like Shakur Stevenson. Style-wise, I think he's a fantastic fighter, but he's a hard guy to sell as a star of the sport. Um, that shit with the, at the petrol station is going to live long in the memory of boxing fans. We're not going to forget that one. Um, he hasn't really got an arch nemesis or, or a, a kind of a, a, a big rival in his weight class that's going to make an interesting clash. Not that I can think of off the top anyway. So I really think it's going to be a case of, unless he finds an opponent um, that can bring the best out of him and get him into actually get him into a decent fight um then he's going to suffer in terms of being a draw i've always said i thought he's a bit fragile or he shows a sign where his ego is a little bit fragile so i'd be interested to see if i could get if there was a fighter there that could rattle him get inside his head a little bit and see if you could if you could get him to display that petulance in the ring i know him and andre ward have had the company i'm not sure what that's about ward is no longer one of his co-managers um, i think he announced that last night so so of course stevenson excellent fighter but kind of into who needs him club he's too good um he doesn't put asses in seats and he hasn't really got a, a kind of a dance partner uh, as such so far in the opponents that he's beaten even though he's looked good every time out so um i kind of don't know where i am with Shakur stevenson i'd like him to be a bigger star than he is but i don't see that being that happening anytime soon Who happened to check, check out Chris Colbert last night in uh, his uh, 11th round uh, knockout performance? No, seen Colbert yet, mate, but uh, I've got a copy of it, so it's... Uh, it's odd, yeah. Did you see me audio going? Yeah, I'm always sceptical about guys that have too many tassels or uh, their hair dyed too much, so Colbert has been putting me off as well as turning me on um, in the recent highlights, so I'd only really seen highlights of him up until a few fights ago. Um... He has that style. He has a style again. Had to sell the style. He suppose he is exciting. He had the Cisco haircut and the Jorge Paez trunk. So that's always a bit. That's always a bit too far for me. You go one or the other. It's like he saw Errol Spence's outfit from last week. It was like, oh, all right, Errol. I see what you're doing here. I'll raise you with the pink hair. So all that aside, I think he's a, a very exciting fighter. Um, I don't know what his promotional situation is or anything like that. But the finish was emphatic last night. I thought. Um, as much as I love Steve Wales, the referee, or Steve Wales, is it? Um, I thought he could have stopped that a little bit earlier. I mean, he was fucking face-planted on the second knockdown. What's the point in letting him go on for another um, another 30 seconds while he gets folded? But that's probably a side issue. But yeah, there's a lot to be excited about with this guy. I think he's, um, again, it's going to be opponents and dance partners and all that. But uh, definitely has an exciting style for sure. And it looks like he carries a bit of pop. Well, just while uh, Matty's trying to get his uh, connection fixed and stuff, I'm just going to bring up the two cards and that for Friday night. Obviously, Dennis Hobson showed in Sheffield in the car park. Don't know, I didn't catch any steamed windows actually. Anybody getting the action in the back seat and stuff? But um, 
Tommy Franks retires eight rounds, and obviously on the the Channel Five card, Sam Eggington beats the Ghost at Ashley Theophane as well. Do you catch any? Yeah, I, I've seen, I've watched a little bit on the catch up. Um, Tommy Franks didn't look fit. He, he looked, you know, he didn't look fit. Um, he's gone through a couple of opponents, and they should have been fighting Kyle Yusuf for the vacant British title. Um, Yusuf um, pulled out of the fight. I'm not sure why. And then Harvey Horn, Harvey Horn, sorry, um, formerly promoted by Queensbury, uh, said he'd take the fight and then wanted something stupid like 20-odd grand, which is never going to happen given, you know, small haul, very limited sales you can do. Um, not exactly surprised, by the way, when, in, you know, Hobson was charging £400 a car to get in front row. Uh, and then, so that was, you know, that was that. And then they've pulled over it, you know, from what everyone can be, you know, a tough Mexican, you know, can be somebody's worst nightmare, you know, particularly when you don't punch. And it kind of showed that. And look, Frank, if, if he was fully fit, Frank probably would have won. But this has been coming for a while now. Uh, I think he, he boxed some, I think it's Artem Dipien, a Filipino, a couple of fights ago. And he got a hometown decision there and he should have, he should have lost. So, you know, an upset has been coming for a while now with Tommy Frank. And look, it's come at probably the worst time ever. Um, they, they ducked the Sonny Edwards fight. They turned down decent money to go and fight for the British title on BT. And they've ended up with egg on the face now because it's a complete rebuild job. Um, the, the undercard, the rest of it was trash. The the, the area level fight was good, uh, but the rest of it was absolute garbage. Um, we saw the return of Kelly Maloney. Uh, well, yeah, Frank, Kelly, whatever you want to call it. Cathy um, <laughs> McAleer, the fighter. Uh, and was also, you know, fell to defeat, no shock. I suppose, um, so Steve mentioned it and said McAlee is just basically a bit of a ticket seller and nothing else. But that's enough on the undercard. And as for uh, Sam Eggington, Ashley Theophane, um, they have a gripe with Channel 5. I mean, they said they were going to show all the undercard and then just show bits and pieces of it, which is a bit annoying. I mean, great, you know, they come on just leading into, you know, the 10 o'clock um, fight with... Eggington and Theophane, but then it was just bits and pieces after it. And there was a couple of fighters on the undercard. I particularly, you know, wanted to, you know, just to take a look at. I wanted to watch the full Benjamin Fields fight for the area title. And that was a close one, just two points in it. And I believe it was an excellent fight and one that would have been really TV friendly. Um, a couple of others, the McKenna brothers, one of them. Now, look, you'll look at Jordan Granham's record of 572 and 2 and say, this guy's rubbish. But he's the epitome of a lot better than his record, and he just goes in because he knows what to do. He has never been stopped before until Friday night, and McKenna destroyed him. And McGranham's been up, you know, been in with all you know the top prospects, you know, around 154, 160, 168, and they've not put a dent in him. So a bit of a bit of you know. It's difficult, you know, to say when I say a, a bit of a statement, you know, when you look at the record and it's, you know, bloomed with losses. But, you know, you can look at fighters the way they deal with journeymen sometimes and McKenna did it tremendously well. And then, the, you know, the main event, I thought Eggington, he, he beat an old man in Theophane. Uh, Eggington, he is what he is. I thought if Theophane could pop, he would have caused Eggington problems because Eggington's not learned to move his head. Uh, and that's his best form of defence. But what Eggington does have, he has a bit of spite to him. He's not a huge one-punch knockout or artist, but he can dig. 
And I think he was just a bit, you know, a bit too young, a bit too fresh, which is kind of bizarre saying Eggington's fresh for the amount of beatings he has taken previously. But he was a level above Ashley Theophane. And it will be interesting to see where he goes next. He's, you know, I think they were after that Ted Cheeseman rematch and Cheeseman, you know, wanted a bit of a silly purse. Cheeseman's going, you know, he's got a shot for the vacant British title now against JJ Metcalf. So it will be interesting to see. I wouldn't be shocked. Scott Fitzgerald's making a return in January, February. If they don't make that Fowler fight, which I have no desire to see whatsoever, it wouldn't shock me if we see potentially, you know, like a Fitzgerald Eggington, which I think is a good fight because regardless of, you know, you know, how limited Eggington is, he is in quite fun fights. He's got the style, you know, from where he takes a lot of shots. He also throws a lot of shots. And if you get the right opponent in with him, it can make pretty decent TV. A fight with Kieran Conway would be quite good, actually. Uh, that'd be interesting. Troy Williamson as well. There's loads of fighters at 154 who Eggington, you know, can get some action off. So, no, that was the overview on the couple of the UK cards. And just touching on the card, the, the Colbert card, just want to shout out to Matt Korobov, who must be one of the most unluckiest fighters going. He's, you know, he was in the, you know, boxing Eubank and his shoulder popped out. He was winning his fight last night. Um, I forget again, I forgot the guy's name, but against, you know, a relative, you know, pretty, a, a fight, you know, he sh uh, Ronald Ellis, that was it. He was, you know, cruising that fight and then he injures his ankle. And you, you just wonder now, does it, is, you know, is his body waving the white flag? He's 37 now. Um, he's lost his last two fights basically through no fault of his own. And it's just through injury. And you just wonder now if, you know, if you're breaking down during the fights, you, you're all right getting through camp. But ultimately, it's the 12 rounds from where you're earning your money. And how much longer can you keep going, breaking down in the fights and losing? Maybe it's time to call it quits. But it is a shame because, again, he was cruising last night. Uh, pretty much, you know, I'd, I'd had him winning the majority of the rounds. It's just hard to see him come back when it was first the shoulder. Now it's the ankle. What's next? Back. Other shoulder. Maybe it's time to call it quits for him. He is old and broken. Uh, so, he ruined my parlay, too. God damn it. Um, anyhow, uh, because of technical difficulties, let's move ahead to next week. Um, we got uh, Zerto Ramirez. Tons of fights with next week. Yeah, we got uh, Zerto Ramirez against Alfonso Lopez. Sound went there again, Matty. Sorry, mate. Just as you mentioned, uh, Ramirez. Um, you think uh, you think you can get the stoppage? Uh, well, to put it this way, I mean, I'm trying to remember as who he's fighting and stuff. Um, was it Alfonso Lopez and stuff? Um, I guess his first soiree up at light heavyweight, I think it is, or is it? You know, I think he had a fight beforehand. Um, to be honest, yeah, he should be. I think this guy's basically kind of like more known than can run, but kind of like. The club level, shall we say, maybe we got journeyman type status and stuff like that. So, I did notice this fight was on, like, say, Fight TV pay per view, uh, $25. So, if you're feeling flush and that, you can go and uh, spend your money there and that. But yeah, I, th I would think, um, 
Ramirez will probably stop the guy. Um, probably needs to start kind of like uh, looking good in that as well. To be honest with you, um, what else you got? I mean, you got fight on. You got the Tim Zeus fighting next Wednesday. Uh, Smithers pal uh, Paul Gallon's fighting on that card as well against a, a guy Mark Hunt who's zero one and one record. So uh, you just know what trash that's going to be like. Um, don't know, Aussie, if if Eddie's going to be showing this card next week, but the one in Italy. It's got Francesco Patera against Davis Michel. Gamalia Fai's fighting as well. So sad for Mark. Yeah, I saw your uh, Fai was boxing for the European title. Lots. I don't think it's being shown on Sky. Um, I, I assume, well, it's, to be fair, it's going to be on the zone now, isn't it? And you can access the zone in the UK. So I think all these sort of, you know, like these uh, matchrooms, Spain, Italy, Japan, China, whatever sort of cards they do. I think they're all going to be winding up on the zone, so it will be. You will be able to watch it in the UK. He's um, fighting. Is it Luca Rigoldi uh, for the for the what's it called for the for the for the full European title? Um, look, I, I'll be interested to see the odds because we've seen you know these Italians before, and we've seen that you know the likes of essentially you know Tommy McCarthy go over him. Kind of like resurrect the careers, you know, with wins against fighters, you know, from where the tip to go and get beat. And I think you file. I've not seen much of Rigoldi whatsoever. However, Yafai had his learning fight against Gavin McDonald. Maybe it come a bit too early, but the guy's, you know, a solid domestic fighter. I'm not having this Rigoldi can be much cop. You know, I'd be surprised, you know, if he possesses any real quality. I mean, he's 27 now. I mean, hang on. No, I'm not. This guy's not going to win. He drew his last fight against a 4 and 12 fighter over six rounds. This guy, surely, that, that was in Italy as well. Surely, Gamal Yafai should have the, the quality to beat this guy. Um, it's interesting. He's got Sandor Martin on the undercard as well, Andy. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Spaniard at um, 140. Uh, I think he'll be brought and start to be used as an opponent potentially. I know he's signed with Matt Room, so might see him in with Robbie Davis Jr., uh, maybe Lewis Ritson or something like that. I'm sure he's the European title, holds the European title as well. Um, but no, uh, th that Matt Room Italy card um, is it is what it is, isn't it? He's got does he does he sign Patera as well? I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure. I mean, obviously he come off that Lewis Ritson uh, win as well, but let's say the. Uh, Sandor Martin beat Joe Hughes, member uh, quite widely uh, as a defence yeah. for the European title just late last year. Yeah, that was a good win. That actually, that, that, I think that Martin's a lot better than you know, um, you know, than the usual people. You know, with these padded records that crop up. He's um, although that Anthony Yidget beat him, which is yeah. interesting. In Sweden, yeah, though. yeah. So I, I certainly think he'll be. I know he signed with Matroom, one of the overseas. I think Matroom Spain. So I certainly think we'll see him, um, you know, in and against a UK-based opponent next year. I just don't know which one it'll be. Just when you mentioned Spain, actually, uh, just need to mention this, actually. Obviously, the sex returns next Saturday, 19th of December. Sergio Martinez fighting the, uh, I think he's uh, a Finnish guy, actually. Yusei Koval uh, Kuvalu, I think he's pronounced, 36-year-old. That's two Finnish guys, then, on the same night. <laughs> <laughs> one, one with dodgy knees and that, but this this was the guy that Conor Ben smashed up uh, last summer. It was in two rounds. Sergio Garcia makes a defence of the European title against um, a Swiss-based Armenian, I think. I've never seen the guy, to be honest with you. Um, 
So yeah, one for the hardcore, I suppose, one for the kind of sentimentals, if you want to see Sergio Martinez. Another, talk about sentimental reasons and that as well, fuck me. I don't know if we're going to be, maybe even get this fight on at some point, but uh, Felix Sturm, fresh out of the pokey. Yep, he was in jail, did the uh, time for, I think it was tax evasion, but he also got done for the, um, remember the Tudor fight? He actually failed the drugs test, and uh, he got That's time for it. He got, he, the, the German courts jailed him. He actually took off the Bosnia, uh, way back to his homeland for a bit, and try and kind of beat the rap and that, but eventually was forced to stand trial. And, uh, yeah, I think he got something like three or six months in jail for uh, for taking the steroids and stuff like that. So. Got to be the unluckiest fighter in the fucking history of the sport to get a jail term for juice. Not that, I, <laughs> not, not that I'm against that kind of punishment, but when you look at what slips through the net and he has to go and do a bit of bird, like, over fucking juice, holy shit. Well, have to lock up the whole fucking sport. It's only 10 Jarrell Miller now. I think he's only been banned now in Nevada for, was it, six months? Or even a couple of years or something like that. And he, he like blew up a lap, you know. So he had the three and one, didn't really he? Like the vaccine. Aye. Aye. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, aye, that, so as I say, you got Tim Zoo, you got Patera on the, uh, that Italian card. Oh, say about Friday night then again. As I say, so much fights coming on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Friday night. Uh, Channel Five, Shakan Peters against Craig Richards. Really good fight this for the British light heavyweight title. Peters really kind of raising a few eyebrows and stuff as well. How you fancy this one? Ozzy. Have we lost Ozzy there, eh? He's unmuted in that, but no sound. Don't tell me, don't tell me his phone's fucking throws or whatever and that. Just briefly as well, like, in the conference, <laughs> Junior, Macab- Junior Macabre fights Duradola for the WBC Cruiserweight title next Saturday as well, so just want to see if any of the guys are coming to kind of come on here for the other chats and stuff, and maybe kind of get it back to Matty, see how he sounds holding up. How you doing, Matty? Oh, I'd probably imagine the same as the last hour and a half. Not sounding good so far, dude. Hey! Well, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's see how long that lasts for, huh? Um, uh, so let's, uh, let's move it on here, um, there's there's a fair bit of action going on this week, you know, but uh, uh, I, I think we're all interested in a few key fights. Uh, what what are you thinking on Golovkin's return, Rob? Yeah, I'm not impressed by the opponent. I haven't I haven't seen or heard of the opponent before he was announced. What's that? What, what opponent has he got actually? It's the Polish guy. Polish guy. That's right. Camille Zerometa. Like two knockouts or something like that. Something, something strange. Well, look, I either. think, I think it's there's been signs of regression um, in Triple G. The night of the the first Danny Jacobs fight, I always said I thought he looked old that night. Um, certainly, the second fight against Canelo and the fight against Dervichenko reinforced that. You're in against different animals in that fight, so I think he had a gimme knockout in between, and. This is going to be another gimme knockout. Like I think, look, I love Golovkin. Like I think he didn't have his career-defining fight at the right time for him. Not his fault. He was the most avoided fighter in the sport, bar none, about five, six, seven years ago. Nobody wanted to fight him. I remember Andy Lee getting massive credit for signing on, and then Golovkin's uh, father passed away, but nobody wanted to fight him. Peter Quinn didn't want to fight him. Sergio Martinez didn't want to fight him. Canelo didn't want to fight him. Eubank didn't want to fight him. Nobody wanted to fight Golovkin, and through no fault of his own, um, he probably didn't have 
the career. He still had an unbelievable career, but didn't have that kind of breaking out fight. And now it's like he's hanging on for this third fight against Canelo. In a hurry to give him that fight. My sound gone as well. Oh, fuck me, man. Uh, something to do with the wind <laughs> I don't rub up against you or something like that. But uh, maybe so. What That's about now? That's good. That's better. Uh, so I think like it wasn't his necessarily his Golovkin's fault um, that he didn't have the the breakout fight that he deserved. Um, you know, Matt, brilliant on his day, brilliant behind the jab, can punch. Had seemed to have a chin of granite. There was nothing not to like about Golovkin, but at this stage, I think he's just hanging on for a big payday, and we're going to learn nothing from next fight apart from maybe that he's finished if this guy does anything in the fight. Um, but yeah, sad kind of to see for for Golovkin at this stage for me a fight like that, especially seeing as he put all his chips on this zone uh, thing working out. I think he has, the lads mentioned today, I think he has shares in zone as well, which is now known as the dead zone. Uh, so no middleweights for, for Golovkin to fight of note. So we're getting this next week. Donnie, what are your thoughts on uh, your uh, fantasy boyfriend, uh, Kennedy Golovkin, and his fight coming up? I think Donnie dropped off a call. I think we've lost everybody. Donnie, <laughs> Aussie, they might be sitting with mate trying to get back on the call if you want to try and add them back on there. But uh, Donnie, Steve, was it, it Stephen? His name is, and uh, Aussie were on the spiddle as well. But they've all seemed to have dropped off. But you can hear me okay now, huh? Here you, here you find the room, mate. I hopefully fingers crossed. Yeah, maybe it was just a bandwidth issue that decided to pick on me or something. Who knows? Um, you know. The, the thing about Golovkin is that he, Father Time catches up with everybody, and he wasn't really a young fighter when we came to know him, um, at least in the more public eye. You know, there were those of us watching him with Kasim uh, Uma and fights of that nature. Uh, but it's going to catch up to him at some point, and he, he'll lose to somebody you wouldn't expect him to lose to. Is it going to be this fight? I wouldn't put money on it. Um, not any chance, but um, my hunch is it's coming up, and if if he doesn't get a third Canelo fight, uh, it'll it'll happen in the next twelve to eighteen months. Would you guys disagree with that? Um, yeah, I mean, we we actually discussed the the rematch uh, Canelo Golovkin a couple of months back actually, and we actually forgot how good a fight that was actually. That actually they probably deserve to fight the year honors. Um, I know at the time in that we weren't really interested in seeing a third fight in that because obviously it had the you know, we all felt that Golovkin won the first fight. It was it was close in the second fight, um, and everybody just rank with a few Golovkin fans and that as well. We don't want to see a third fight because he just isn't going to get the rub of the green against Canelo on the on the cards and stuff. But you know, this pandemic's hit everybody, and that we've seen some you know. Okay, judges' decisions, but we've seen quite you know a couple of shocks this year as well. So you just wonder maybe Golovkin, what is he, thirty-eight now? I mean, we'll catch up to him at some point. But against all position like this, you should should nothing nothing to fear. Surely, um, I just think um, Canelo at this point probably has got his number because he's fresher. Golovkin again, he doesn't vary it up. He, he does what he does, but um, I was I, I would probably even say as well as the way Charlo's going at the minute. We'd probably we'd maybe beat them. Um, yeah, I think I, I think as well you have to factor into it the amount of training camps that Golovkin's had as a pro fighter because when he turned over, as you said, he's, he wasn't young, 
so they only had a certain amount of time. So he was out every two months there for, at one stage. Yeah. He was like one of the most active guys. And yeah, even though he's not taking punishment in those fights, it's the it's the punishment his body is taking going through these camps the later as he gets on. And the two fights with Canelo, the fight with Danny Jacobs and the fight with Dervichenko might have left something on him. Like so, you know, we do get shocks all the time. I don't expect it to be against a guy like this, but don't don't pin your hopes on the fact that he remains undefeated. And he gets that Canelo rematch because I think if, if he got beat, Canelo's no way. Canelo don't want to fight him anyway. doesn't want to give him the, the rematch anyway. So um, if he loses, it's going to be a tough way back. When he does lose, um, like I said, I don't think it's this fight. When he does lose, I think it's going to be by knockout. The way that he fights, uh, Golovkin's a knockout waiting to happen in uh, just a matter of time before we see who that fighter might be. His chin's uh, usually granite, though, to be honest with you. Like, I mean, I don't know. If, I mean, at this point, I, 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 didn't, I, don't, I don't see that. I, I could just see, like, you can maybe see maybe on, on swelling, for example. He's got the kind of high cheekbone stuff, maybe he could swell up and stuff, or maybe the referee or cut or something. I don't think anybody stops him, to be honest with you. He is generally, generally granite. But I, I agree with Rob. That. I mean, he had tough fights with Alvarez twice. That Dervachenko fight was, I, I watched that a few months ago. Again, just to remind myself, it was a fucking bloodbath, that fight. And Jacob is not as well conceivably possible. I, I, I had Jacob's thought maybe just shaded that fight. Uh, maybe just the knockdown, maybe kind of carried it for, uh, for Golovkin in the end and stuff. But, I mean, obviously he's a diminished fighter and stuff. And it is a bloody shame. Uh, there was fighters ducking on me. I remember Lou DiBella being on YouTube and stuff, talking about you know, Sergio Martinez. You know, he doesn't need that fight at this point. Who's Golovkin? You know, it's, it's, it's the same old, old excuse, for example. You heard Calzaghe, the reason why he didn't fight Frotch is because he was unified. He wanted to go and try and face Roy Jones, Bernard Hopkins type thing. So it could be that situation as well. But Golovkin will take another L. The longer he keeps going, he will take another L at some point. But You have, uh, to, for, you have to remember Caro as well, Max. Am I a middleweight? Yeah, yeah. Another thing as well is what you mentioned about all those like amateur fights and stuff, you know, and the training camps and that. He's 38, 39 year old and that, and he's still making 160 at this point. You know, so at some point, and a couple of times he's looked kind of like, not so much you know, death in the scales, but sometimes he's looked a wee bit kind of drawn on the scales a wee bit. Um, you still don't know if that might catch up, him, up to him at some point as well, trying to make the weight. But he's generally professional enough and that as well. That's never really been an issue. So I think um, if Golovkin's going to take an RL at some point, it is going to be on points. I don't, I don't think anybody's going to stop him unless he likes to really, really outstage his welcome in the sport, like in these like mid to late 40s, which doesn't strike me as that type of guy anyway. I think he's got an exit plan. He's good money, so, so to speak, of dead zone. But um, some of it's in, kind of like, in shares in the company. And that, so I don't know how, uh, how wise that's going to be in the back end. So we'll wait and see. Donnie, do you have anything you can add to the Golovkin fight? No, nothing that's been already said. Uh, can you hear me all right? Yeah. I'm amazed that you can hear me right now. Yeah, it's a miracle. Uh, earlier in Some? the show, you... Uh, you Your sound's holding up pretty well there, mate. Pretty, I, I don't know what's going on, but I ain't going to tempt fate, so I'm just going to keep moving along here, man. I'm just going to keep moving along here. Um, uh, I'd like to touch on, uh, on this fight specifically. This is coming up Sunday, and I, I think this is interesting. Uh, last time this guy lost against Ronito Donaire in 2008. He is going for, I believe, the 15th defense of his flyweight. Well, it would be the 40th victory of his career if he's coming up. He's able to win against uh, Jason Mama. That fighter is Maruti Methelang. 
who has been holding steady at flyweight for well, well over a decade and just keeps piling up victories. Doesn't have a lot of huge names on his record. He's beat the uh, first person to beat, uh, like I say. Beat uh, Jean-Real Casemiro. And he beat Fury uh, But, Andy, this guy's piled up one hell of a career without hardly anyone paying any attention. Um, he's going against uh, a young Filipino. He's 23. He's uh, His record is kind of built off of nobodies. Uh, 184, 114, and 20 combined. What, what are your thoughts on this? Can, or is he going to uh, keep building on this little resume uh, that he's quietly put together, or are we going to see a shocker in South Africa? Um, so the, you know, a potential upset, maybe. Uh, Mithlin is a long-standing flyweight. I mean, I know he fought in at minimum weight as well at one point, but uh, he has basically been a kind of long-standing champion, as you say. I remember a time when, when Gonzalez was, was running about the top of that division at the time and stuff, and he was probably top three at the time, Mathaline, but uh, the problem was that he was having was that he just couldn't really get fights. You know, there was push bids. I, I think he, he actually even lost his title and had to regain it again and after like losing it on... I think it was like he'd been ordered to a push bid and it was something like $30,000 and stuff, and it was... Um, Maybe he was going to fight for that type of money and ended up kind of falling through. But he ended up going on the road, fought in Italy, fought in Panama, he's back home again. And then, you know, went to Kuala Lumpur and beat Mohamed Wasim. But it was, uh, it was people would probably remember him more actually beating Yakari Yagashi and it was the man in what he'd done it because it was pretty much back and forth war. Yagashi gave it, it was his last chance really at a world title and he ended up retiring off the back of that fight and stuff. But, uh, you just don't know if, uh, with the Filipino, is he an unknown quantity? I know he's got a wee bit of amateur background and stuff. He's got a decent knockout ratio, but um, 23 against a 38-year-old, you know, you just never know. It might just be the old man's time's up, and it might just be the fact is, uh, it might just be the young man's uh, opportunity that he maybe needs, just kind of goes in there and just, uh, takes him out. He has the, the top-ranked contender for the IBF title and stuff, so uh, we just need to see how, how, how it plays out in that. But Mathlene, again, as I say, is... It's not a stellar career. I mean, he has, he has got some good wins. He's been plagued by problems with getting fights and promoters. I mean, if you look at his record, that's what I'm sure there's some gaps in his, his record and that between dates and stuff because he said, like, be out the ring for a year here and a year there and stuff. So, um, not really made the money, so to speak, as well, considering, like, say, Gonzalez, he's not who he's kind of like really was champion around about that time, Ioka, and that was always in there. So, um, so, so uh, some good fights. Now, if he gets through this, you never know. Maybe Eddie might make the call, make a unification fight with Julio Cesar Martinez, which we're all seem to be high on at this point. So, uh, we wait and see how that one pulls off as well. Excellent. Yeah, I, uh, we'll see what happens there. I, I haven't seen the odds. It's on the, uh, the underdog, and it'd probably be pretty sizable odds just for fun. Just for a punt. Um, does anyone else have any thoughts on this fight? Right on. Uh, moving on. Uh, we have a little fight. Hold on, bro. Your, 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 sound is, your sound is going through the what's it call it. So I don't know if you want to type in the chat what the fights are or something. I mean, we, we, we'll try because you're... I don't know if what everyone else is hearing, but I, I, I can't hear a word of that. Dude. Yeah, you're breaking up badly there. So what we'll do is I'll just I'll, I'll bring in the other guys and that. So like Aussie, for example, uh, on the undercard next Friday, Golovkin card, you've got John Ryder fighting Mike Guy. 
you'll, you'll probably have a bit more insider information possibly in that, but I'm, I'm assuming that's just a fight that's been made to not so much placate him, but just keep him active as sorts because he needs a fight. Correct. He's not getting a fight, he's not getting a fight that, we, that we want to see him fighting, but uh, it's clearly a, a keep busy one, surely. Yeah. It's exactly that. Uh, it's a case of the they tried to get him out earlier. They made a couple of attempts. They made tried to make the David Lemieux fight and then tried to make the Fedor Chudinov fight as well. Now, Lemieux seemed keen at the start, but then um, was made an offer of about $300,000 uh, and then decided he didn't want to travel to the UK. Uh, they then tried to make the Chudinov fight and they, they just couldn't work things out because there was a bit of time as well. Uh, more short notice, uh, more than anything. Uh, so they're going to look to make that early next year for, I think it's going to be for the WBA regular title, um, which, look, I, I know we all have, you know, her, you know, views on these regular titles. However, um, I certainly think, you know, for John, if he can pick up that regular title, it's a bit of a win for him, you know, more so... Um, you know, given that he should basically should have been awarded the win against Callum Smith. They're saying, it, they're saying in the chat was that Ryder's on standby for Canelo. Is that true? Do you have any insight there, dude? Yeah, uh, he, I was just about to mention that, actually. I wouldn't specifically say it's standby, as in, you know, he's there. However, should either or fall down, I think more so if Callum Smith was to fall down failing a COVID test, you have got basically a ready-made replacement out there who can, you know, pick it up. Likewise, on the Golovkin undercard as well, if the, the poll fails to test, I basically spoke to John and he said, show me the money, um, let's make it up. You know, if the, if the money works, then I'll happily step up and take that fight as well. So I wouldn't say, you know, he's been brought out there. It's more so that they needed to get him out there. There was no space on this Joshua card. This opportunity cropped up. He actually fell. He wasn't going to fight at all. So it's very much, you know, look, the opponent's not great. But we've seen before, you know, fighters fall short, you know, when they, you know, they've taken their eye off the ball. It's a bit of Christmas money for him. And it's 100%. very much, it'll be all eyes on Fedor Chudinov early next year, which I think is a good fight for John. I think he'll look good uh, in that sort of fight. So, yeah, you never know. He, he could end up winding. I mean, I hope Callum Smith doesn't fall, you know, fail a test. I would never wish that on anybody. Uh, but John could end up getting the Canelo fight ultimately by accident, you know, if it is there. And he's just right place, right time. He's in America now. Uh, they didn't want to get out there too early purely because COVID is quite rife out there. Uh, and they, they, didn't, they themselves don't want to fall ill with it. Uh, they're out there now, about a week in advance. Uh, and again, just getting ready for, for, for the fight on Friday night. Just on that card, and that, I mean, obviously, I mean, we're not really into women's boxing and stuff, but uh, just there's a, a Korean on that card, uh, Han Mai Chow. Um, she's actually she's actually born in North Korea, defected to, to to the south, and that went on to become world champion and stuff. So, uh, I, I dare say, Sky, if it's getting shown on that, they'll be over the the storyline and stuff. But it is quite a quite a good story if you can read that. Actually, less talk, Asian. more action. Yeah, don't go forget to Asian, that one. Go to com and uh, type in uh, Y and My Chow and you'll, <laughs> you'll uh, read the story about her and stuff. Um, do, Rob, did you get your, did you, uh, Rob and Ozzy, did you break down your, your, your thoughts on a uh, Golovkin fight next week? I think you did, Robbie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just saying that I think, like, you know, it's, it's a pity for Golovkin that he never had the, the career to fight a fight. Um, 
and there has been some slippage, but I don't expect anything. I don't expect any big shocks next week. I think he'll walk through this guy. You know, they'll try and it'll probably be a highlight reel knockout and they'll try and uh, and and squeeze him for another few quid with the Canelo rematch down the line. Like. Ozzy, just on Golovkin, I take it like, I dare say, I mean, we're all expecting him to win in that, but I think looking in on this fight, it's purely going to be a look at Golovkin. Has he slipped? Is he hungry? Is he still wanting to keep fighting and stuff like that? He's still world champion and that, but at some point, he's going to have to hang it up at some point because really he's got he's got nobody really in the in that camp to basically be fighting next unless he's going to start moving up no. weights and stuff like that, you know? No, it's not a great fight for him, and particularly at age 38. He doesn't really want to be wasting time on, you know, no mark mandatories like this. Um, I expect him to come through with relative ease, and I think the best thing that can happen to Golovkin is he destroys this guy, you know, in two or three rounds. He can't punch this guy. Um, I mean, look, look, I mean, it's not the worst mandatories, and, you know, he's what he's been European. Uh, champion oh no hang on no i think i think this guy's been ebu eu so it's the no, fake second, european yeah. Yeah, one, oh right no sorry well i withdraw that then um this is an appalling mandatory golovkin he you know look he isn't what he was but he'll be dispatching of this guy pretty comfortably uh and it's difficult to see. I don't think we'll see uh, what's it called. I don't think we'll see the Canelo fight again, personally. Um, I'd be shocked if that happened. Um, and I'm just looking now. I'm going to look at the ranking. Not sure who, you know, Eubank Jr. Uh, I mean, we're talk talking about Andre Saunders next year. I don't really know. Mungia, maybe. I, I don't know. Um I think he's still a difficult fight for a lot of people. It's kind of difficult to see where... It sounds bizarre saying it, doesn't it? But where Golovkin will go next? Look, they won't be short of offers in terms of... He's still a world champion. They'll get opponents. But you just don't see him, you know, getting... It's difficult to say, you know, getting the huge names. Because I just... I don't know who it would be, really. Maybe, maybe Jamal Charlo. Um, I think that's a bad fight for him at this stage of his career. Um and I mean, I think the Eubank Junior fight would actually be quite fun, you know. Visually, I think I'm not. I don't think Eubank Junior would win because I just think he takes too many shots. But we've not really seen a lot of Eubank Junior since he's been training with Roy Jones, you know, out in America. I mean, we saw him for what was it a round or two against Korobov, and then Korobov shoulder popped. So that you, you can't take anything yeah. from that. Uh, but uh, do you know what I mean by like stylistically? You know, Eubank Junior is all action. I think it would be quite interesting because but I, I mean I disagree with what Matty said as well I don't see Golovkin I don't think he's a knockout waiting to happen Canelo landed everything you know basically put the kitchen sink behind some of his shots and didn't make a dent in Golovkin uh, the only I think I agree with you the only way Golovkin is getting stopped is if he's boxing at like 55 um, he dislocates his hip in the ring and that's the only one he's getting knocked out I don't see him getting knocked out of goal this guy has got one of the most legit chins in the sport, never been dropped. I don't even think he's been hurt. I've never seen him been buzzed. And I always remember that right hand he took off. Um, he took off Canelo and continued to walk forward. I think Canelo looked then and just thought, fuck, I've just landed a huge shot and it's not even budged him. Likewise, Canelo the other way as well, Golovkin to Canelo. So uh, 
I don't see him getting stopped. I think he comes through with relative ease. And I think for now, basically, mandatory fights just need to go out the window for him. I know it's not that easy, but his time's not on his side for him to be wasting camps and energy and, and any sort of thought against substandard opponents like his opponent on Friday. Yeah. Just rounding up that card, actually, Ali Akmedov fights uh, Carlos Congora for like, the IBO super middleweight title, vacant belt. Um, not really good looking at much input on that one, to be honest with you. It's basically that probably Akmedov could do a week and a step up in that. This, this Ecuadorian, I've got no knowledge of him. He's undefeated, he's 31, so it could be a hit or a miss. You just don't know what's coming out of that country, to be honest with you. It's just a bit like the Mexicans and the Filipinos and stuff. You may get an undefeated record coming out of that country and that, but it could be an unknown quantity at the same time. There could be big bangers, big hitters, um, or they could have paper chins. You just don't know. We, we'll see how that kind of unfolds. But the big fight next week, I suppose, return of Sol Alvarez. Finally, uh, got the fight on with Callum Smith. Um, everybody, scousers believe Smith's going to win this fight easily. Undercard, no much to write home about. Really, kind of filled with prospects and stuff. Um, we shout out to Mark Castro, who's making his debut in this card, apparently as well. Uh, Castro is a highly touted amateur. Um, he even beat Keyshawn Davis and that as well back in the amateurs and that. So, it'll be interesting to see how he uh, how he uh, opens up his his pro ledger. But guys, uh, Rob and Ozzy, if Matty can dive in here as well and I'm, I'm just stepping pre-host uh, post-host sorry because Matty sounds kind of like in and out and stuff like that so just trying to kind of keep it fluid here but Alvarez against Smith and that I'll just put my two pence worth in um, for me I think uh, Alvarez wins on points um, there's a lot of body uh, for Alvarez to, to be aiming at and stuff like that as well but I, I think it really depends on how Smith approaches this fight because he really sometimes he fights flat I don't know if it's a situation whereas it's like a, a situation that's going to be like high profile and that type of thing. You know, it's going to be a opponent that puts the fear into him and stuff like that. I don't know. Um, but there's just like, so for example, the rider, the rider fight, um, Holshkin, Skogland. Did he look fantastic? He did what he had to do to win fights and stuff. That's all you can do. Like You get in the ring and you, you know you, you step in and you've got to try and win the fight. But... I just think there's there's a bit to him in that, whereas he just doesn't up it. He doesn't, you know, you see me John Ryder, for example, and like he was jabbing him pretty well, he was catching him with a jab and that. Um, I just think what we've seen Ryder do, I think Canelo can do that 10 times, not about 10 times better, but I think he can do it far better than what John Ryder can do. Um, so maybe I, I could maybe see a late stoppage. Um, again, Smith makes that 168. I do not know. He must be like something 2 3% body fat to make that weight. But if there's anything, you know, semblance of like struggling with that weight and that Canelo would probably work, work that body and probably would, would, would find a way but um, again on the flip side the reach uh, 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 Smith's is, is massive as well um, again as well would he be able to catch uh, Canelo with the vaunted left hook well we've seen uh, Golovkin hit him with bombs and that as well, he didn't budge he's generally quite tough he's got a thick neck, good balance and that about him as well so really I'm going to say safe prediction I'm going to say Canelo on points. Rob, Aussie, what do you think? Yeah, Canelo is a bit of a heartbreaker for me like, because I rooted for him so heavy throughout his whole career. I, I was kind of on his side all the way. I never thought he had a chance of beating Floyd, but um, apart from that, I was, you know, he was my guy, like Canelo. And then this Mexican meat scandal did leave, just tainted everything for me. So I'm just thinking about like Callum Smith and what it would take for him to beat Canelo because you have to have the most perfect fight of your life to take it the distance even. And if you do that, even if you've won the fight, you're not going to get it on the cards. Plus, 
Canelo's probably juiced to the max. I don't care if he's in Vada testing or not, as the old uh, Lance Armstrong said and said, they had doctors, we had better ones. And the, the guy with the, that generates the biggest money in the sport, not casting any aspersions on his character, but if he was wanting to circumvent the testing process, I would say he wouldn't have too much trouble doing it. So there's a lot for Callum Smith to be up against that. Say, saying that, you have Joe Gallagher saying a lot of the time, um, especially after the Ryder fight, oh, Callum needs a big fight to get up for it. Well, he, he turned down this fight, I think, already once. Um, he's got it now. He's got to be up for it. And... I kind of go off the eye test. I don't have any kind of, you know, bias towards Ryder. Like, we love Ryder because he comes on the pod. But if I thought Callum Smith beat him, I'd say Callum Smith beat him. But I thought Ryder beat Callum Smith. And I thought it was quite a, a, easy work for him in certain certain aspects of the, um, the performance. So I can't see Callum Smith being able to up it to the levels required to beat Canelo Alvarez. And if he does, I'll tip my cap to him. But... I don't. I just don't see it. And I think as well on the eye test, fellas very rarely don't uh, show off how good they are when they have the opportunity. There's very rarely fighters in the sport, sport who are reluctant to show how good they are when they're given opportunity against, especially against inferior opponents, as Gallagher was alluding to about John Ryder. So I don't believe that for a split second. And, and based on that alone, um, I don't think he has anything for Canelo Alvarez. So I'm going to go for the stoppage. I think there's a lot of it. There's a massive target for for Canelo to aim for, especially with those body shots. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's a headshot that actually finishes it. Very accurate. Um, seems to have enough pop to keep fellas off him all the time, even though he's not a big one-punch concussive knockout artist, unless you're Baldemir or James Coughlin. Um That's a long time ago. So I don't know, man. I, I, I just think it's a showcase, another showcase performance for Canelo. And he's in bad need of... Arrival now, like he's in bad need of arrival because this is just like uh, a finish off the career tour. You know, he fought everybody up to a point. He could say even fights he was trying to make that that he couldn't make against the likes of Paul Williams and um, I believe Victor Ortiz as well before he got his jaw broke by Jose Cito Lopez. So he was willing to take on big challenges early in his career, but now it's like a retirement party for him. He's got the big money deal. He's left his own. He's he's the biggest draw in the sport, um, and. He's calling the shots on fighting fuck all, basically, isn't he? Like, so even if he goes and fights Saunders, I mean, that's an interesting fight, I guess, but, but it's a better opponent. But I, I just it feels like a bit of a retirement party for Canelo. So that may be his only weakness, uh, but I think he just fucking walks through Callum Smith. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I think stylistically, Canelo's a nightmare for Callum Smith. Um, I think John showed you know the way to beat Callum Smith and you know in terms of a counter punch and it was his height coming in coming in low and and Canelo is an all round a, a lot better than John uh, and, and I think it would be pretty pretty straightforward for for Canelo to be honest uh, we, we always hear you know about Canelo um, Callum needing the big fight for uh, for what's it called for um, to get up for well George Groves was a massive fight, and, and Callum Smith didn't look brilliant in that. And, and Groves had shoulder, you know, basically one arm because his shoulder was goosed. Um, he, he, he references that quite a bit in his podcast with Tris Dixon, which I recommend to all. Like, if you haven't listened to it, definitely do. It's a brilliant listen, and he gives a good insight into his career, particularly towards the latter end. 
Um, I, I've just never really, I've never really been impressed with Callum Smith. I think he beats, you know, look, he looked great against Ndam, but so he should. Um, for me, he lost to John, um, John Ryder. Uh, he did stop Groves and he looked, he capitalised well on Groves when Groves was hurt and he got him out of there well. But he didn't look good against Scogland. He didn't look good against Holskin. And look, he didn't look great against Luke Blackledge. And this was four years ago now. Uh, so I, I just think, look, it, it's been somewhat short notice, this fight. I know they've had time. But, you know, when the announcement was made, what was that, about three weeks ago now? Four it's weeks ago? Longer. About a month at tops, yeah. About a month ago. And they don't, so look, they were in camp. But they only knew when it was announced about ten minutes before that this was happening. They've got to, you know, got to get out there, acclimatize. It's a horrendous time to get out there and acclimatize at the moment, you know, given the circumstances. It's difficult to go around gyms, and I always think in the US, it's best when the U, you know, fighters from the UK or anywhere else can get out there, you know, and finish the camp over there. I don't know when Smith actually flew out to America. I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure. So I don't know how long he's been out there, but I just think, look, Canelo's an all round better fighter, and his and his style is is a nightmare for Callum Smith. I know we talk about Smith's size, but it can't be healthy for a guy of his size draining down to one six eight, and he does not look good on the on the what's it called um, on the scales. At times, he looks very gaunt. Uh, yes, he does rehydrate, so you know, and he looks huge. But look, Canelo's boxed up at light heavyweight against, you know, arguably one of the best light heavyweights in recent years. Yes, can, you know, Kovalev wasn't, you know, the fighter he was against Andre Ward in the first fight, but he was no slouch. Uh, and Alvarez wiped him out there, and you know, wasn't feared by the power. So I don't, I don't see what potential, you know, Smith can do to go and beat Canelo. So, look, I, I think it might well be. I'm toying between relatively early and Canelo just destroys him or perhaps... Because, look, the, the Gallagher game plan is always, isn't it, warming into the fight? Yeah, you, rarely see a, you rarely see a Gallagher fighter, you know, go out and take the early rounds. And I just don't... I think that'll be... I think that's basically disaster waiting to happen. Uh, and if you're, you know, I just don't see how you can give up, particularly against Canelo as well, who, you know, we know is favoured on cards. And he is, you know, how you can basically give up early rounds. If you let Canelo, and he, he's, Canelo's probably in his prime. I, I think, I, th I think he stops Smith, I think in the mid rounds. I don't think it'll be really early. I think it'll be in the mid rounds uh, between probably five and eight. I think he'll get him out of there, and I think it will be. I think he'll wear. I think he'll break down the body, and I think it'll be a headshot. I agree with Rob. He'll wear down that body, but it'll be ultimately a headshot. From where we have seen Smith buzz before to the head, I think it'll be a headshot. That is Callum Smith's downfall, um, and he gets stopped pretty convincingly. And I think I'll, I don't think he'll really do much to be honest against against Canelo. Two picks for the Canelo not uh, stoppage. I'm kind of either going late or on points at this point. Matty, was just uh, lead us out here actually. If you want to, you know, give us your take on the fight and stuff. I know your sounds kind of like in and out and that, so we're going to cut the show short. We're going to bother with Billy the week this week, uh, so just, I'll let you speak, mate, to see how long your sound holds up and gives your take on the the big fight next week. Can we even make it ten seconds here? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right. Uh, you know, I, it's actually a pretty good fight. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, Alvarez is building a nice resume over 100 and, uh, 154 pounds since he left that division. And uh, my hunch is also Alvarez um, Alvarez by decision. But, you, you know, if you're betting, you get basically the same money on just going the distance. So you might as well just, you know, take that little nudge out of there and not worry about that. But I, I think Alvarez has a great uh, chance just to win this by, um, you know, wearing down the taller fighter who probably is not going to have as much of an engine. He can, Canelo can fight in the pocket very, very well. And uh, it's, it's, for me, it's just all a matter that Smith's only way to win this fight is if he can find a way to effectively land the jab and make the pace go at the fight at the, uh, where he wants it. If you let Canelo dictate the pace and you don't keep him um, at, at distance from you out of mid range, you're in for a long night. So, um, you know, uh, the uh, the overwhelming feeling here is going to be Alvarez on points, but uh, I wouldn't be shocked if it's a closer decision um, or, you know, if Al Alvarez has shown that power late. So, you know, watch for the knockout to potentially come in the later rounds if uh, he can wear down the, uh, the uh, narrower man uh, with body shots. We shall see. Absolutely. Well, I mean, as I say, I think stylistically, it's, it's a big issue for Smith, actually. I mean, Canelo, generally speaking, you know, after the Floyd fight, you know, people think, uh, obviously, we, we think that fight was far too early for him and that, but, you know, he's been away and learned for that. And as I'm saying, zeros are just like just nonsense. If you could take an L and then actually just learn from it, like he's done against Floyd and stuff. And I know like, he, he's picked he's picked his fighters and stuff, he's picked his fights well and that, all that type of things. But on this fight, this fight specifically, I just think he's, he's far better inside uh, Canelo. He's got better foot movement. He's got better head movement, upper body movement. He showed against Golovkin. He can get in the pocket. He's willing to bang it out. He's got resiliency and spades. Um, and then if you factor in as well, just flip it over and take the account. But Smith's had the encounter against Holskin, Ryder, um, that out scoggling and stuff. You know, okay, he's got this what eight, nine, nine in streets advantage and stuff, but um, very rarely have we seen Smith actually having to come, come up tough, really, as such, you know, really in a dogfight, really trying to you know, drag it out and that. I think Canelo could take him in that deep water and potentially even drown him at some point, so um, yeah, we'll just we'll wait and see, so uh, I don't know if we want to round up anything else, Matty, before we kind of finally sign off here and that. I know it's not going to run as fluid this week and stuff, but you know, shit, shit, you know, end of the day, you know, we hate trying to write a free podcast and that, so if you want to moan then, Hey, if y'all can still understand me, uh, you know, it's uh, it was great to be on here again. Thanks for hanging with. I'm gonna update the equipment here. I think I figured out what the problem was, and uh, uh next time I have to uh, come into the studios for the uh, ever capable Steve Wellings who uh, just killed this show. The guy has blown it up. Amazing stuff. Um, but uh, we should be good to go next time. I, I'm hosting here, and uh, anyone who hasn't had the chance. Catch the documentary Macho about the life of oh, yeah. Brilliant. Macho, the Macho. Brilliant. For, for people who don't just like to watch fights, for people who love fighters, this is for you. A tragic, terrible tale, but uh, an incredible one nonetheless. Um, if any of you guys have caught it, love to hear your thoughts. 
Absolutely. Well, Rob, when you get, I know you've seen it, man. I watched it as well the other day there. Oh, brilliant. Well, Camacho, Camacho was one of my heroes. And I always thought he was the precursor for Nazim Hamid. Um, Todd Hamid took a lot of inspiration from Macho Camacho, but it, it's kind of leading me into another point about this Shannon Courtney thing. And I know that's a, a horrible segue between Macho Camacho and Shannon Courtney, but like I'm not saying society should tolerate hatred or racism or homophobia or whatever it is, but I think society should stop going after boxers because boxing is a wild sport, and to be in the sport, you got to be wild. And I know there was a terrible piece in the Times this week about the journalist has turned his back on boxing and because their brains are getting rattled around. And, All right, fair enough. That's where you stand. With that's where you stand. But the the counter to that is that boxing saves so much lives because it takes people out of poor economic backgrounds little education and gives them a chance to do something in life so with that being said we have to stop kind of holding boxers to account uh, from this moral compass that we have because we don't live in their world like so you know if you're going to call it on shannon courtney you're going to call it on um you have to call it then on Tyson Fury for his comments. AJ's for certain comments he's annoyed people with. Fucking Shakur Stevenson for beating up the woman. Javante Davis. I mean, boxing in, Back, is yeah. rid, riddled with characters. Like Jake LaMotta, wife beaters, Sugar Ray Robinson, wife beaters. Both the fucking pinnacle of cinematography in a Martin Scorsese classic. So stop looking to boxers to be the... You know, there's moral beacons. They're troubled people a lot of the time as well. It's a fucking very different, you know, it's a different world than we live in. So I, I get that you don't want to tolerate uh, certain things. And absolutely, you know, we have to progress towards that being tolerant of everybody. But at the same time, you're looking to the wrong people. Everybody in the documentary echoed. If you'd have taken the wildness out of him, which ultimately was his downfall, you wouldn't have Macho Camacho in the first place. And a lot yeah, of similarities between his documentary and the Maradona one, by the way. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. Really good stuff if you haven't seen it. Yeah, it was, it was sad in the end. And that. I mean, Aussie can come in here in the minute. He's going to speak about Shannon Courtney and stuff. But it was it was sad because um, he's, he's trying to make some sort of kind of comeback in that. You know, it was, I think he was trying to do a, an exhibition with Roy Jones Jr. He's back in the gym and stuff, and he's working away, working away and stuff. And he says to his mate, he's, he's come back up in the lift his hotel room, and he says... He says, I don't, I, I don't want to fight. I, I, I don't want to fight. He says, I just want to go and get high. And he says, look, listen, you just, um, you just, you just got to kind of keep going for a few more weeks and stuff. And you, you got the fight going. He says, no, nah. I says, look, you know, I just like getting high. I'm a junkie. You know, I just want to go and get high. And, you know, I just think as well, as, you know, they, apparently the, the, the local authorities know who actually killed them. Uh, as of like this month, they know who killed uh, Macho Camacho. But there's still been no arrests made and stuff, so the reckon has been tied to the the guy he was with and stuff. And of course, Camacho being the the only only living witness, he got the bullet as well, you know. Well, look at his box wreck, by the way, for his for his substance abuse. If he had uh, been on the fucking, he would have been some fighter, by the way. Not that he wasn't exactly. some fighter; he was amazing. But he, imagine how good he could have been if he wasn't on the on the. Powder for I'm, half his career. Yeah, I'm really glad they mentioned the um, the Edwin Rosario fight and stuff because obviously, I mean, he was Brilliant. he was he was fluently watching that. Then up came Rosario and stuff, and he was taking those left hooks. And everybody always said, you know, that was that was not so much the ending, but it was the changing of him because uh, really, the people, you know, Camacho back in the day was like he was like your modern day kind of like Floyd or Joshua and that people like or they just yeah, he was a megastar. Like, you bank, you yeah. bank. People just tuning in to see him getting smashed up or get, see him getting knocked out because he was like brash, wearing these out, outlandish clothes and stuff like that. But 
he really struggled. I, I don't know what his issues were. I mean, he, obviously his ex-wife or his wife was saying that he had real problems. Well, his mom caught him when he was 17, you, you yeah. know, snorting blow in, in there. Like some people just really enjoy cocaine and that's they they enjoy it more than anything else on the face of this earth. You know, some people can recreationally use it and that can just be something they do once or twice a year. Hector Camacho is not one of those people. Yeah. yeah. I think I was, I was going to mention as well, it was just, it was just to kind of like remembering when he fought Vinnie Paz, just watching the highlights again. I actually forgot as to how decent a fight that was because, you know, again, you know, people tune in to see people get knocked out. We were like Eubank against Collins, for example, you know, or, or, or against Eubank against Carl Thompson. Where Eubank would say that people only seen me, he kind of like, you know, wanted to see me get knocked out and get damaged. And that. Well, that's what happened that night. Camacho took a bit of a beating off, off Pazienza. And uh, you know, Paz, who's again you know, a really good and uh, uh, exciting fighter and stuff like, that. he was surprised at how strong uh, Camacho was uh, as well. And that because he, he he kind of surprised him that night because he says as well as he did no drugs for that fight apparently Camacho because he was that dialed in and hyped up to fight this guy that he knew he had to do it clean because if he knew he was partying fucked up in any way shape or fashion that he would not have lasted that fight. Um, and he did in the end take a take a bad beating like. Yeah, Pazienza was a different animal at the lower weights. He had no freaking purpose being at 160 pounds. That was stupid. I was got two wins over my man Duran as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's yeah he was he was a brutal fighter. You know, um, the uh, I, I thought the Lamada fight, go digging into that, was a little bit interesting too. It was um, it was an interesting journey back in time. You know, and he. Uh, it's a shame. He was a, a really exceptional fighter, but for as exceptional as he was, it's always going to be a case of what he could have been. Because him at the top of his game, uh, you know, if he hadn't, uh, you know, put his body through so much hell with drugs and partying and things like that, at the top of his game, he was, you know, not as sharp as Whitaker, but he had the same kind of tools that Whitaker had. He gave Chavez all sorts of fits. You know, he just didn't have it that night. Yeah, speed boxing ability, even power at times and stuff. You know, as, as, as Rob says, if he, if he just somehow managed to live the lifestyle, it's, there's no there's no telling what that guy could have been able to achieve. It's absolutely... So, I, so listen, it's, uh, I forget the name. Is, this, is it called Macho, I think it's called? It's not um, Macho, if you if you're only if you're on the Patreon, uh, or Patreon on Facebook and that, there's, there's a copy there for the uh, for the Patreon subscribers. So if you're not a Patreon subscriber, you know what you do. Get a credit card out. Just get a wee plug there, but uh, just to kind of like bring it back to to Aussie, and obviously there's been there's been some comments getting made on social media and that of uh, Shannon Courtney about uh, certain mm. situations and stuff, mate. Um, I think uh, our Twitter account started on Saturday with about eleven thousand tweets on account, and it's done about three thousand. What the hell's going to happen here? Exactly, um, exactly that, and it's because, and I, I find it laughable that any sort of you know person in the limelight doesn't go back, basically just delete their Twitter account, and then just start again because none of this happens. And over the past, you know, back towards the back end of the week, a lot of tweets were pulled up, basically of her being racist, homophobic, you name it. She said it. She said Ashley Cole looked like a Muslim because of a beard. Uh, she offended a hell of a lot of people, a hell of a lot of people. 
and there was radio silence on it. Now, bear in mind, we have seen boxers throw, you know, completely vilified for this sort of stuff before. O'Hara Davis was completely vilified. Um, IFL Umar, you know, was vilified for stuff he said. And uh, I know people within, you know, pe basically people were pissed off about it. Now, last night, it was gone midnight. And just after the Anthony Joshua performance, so you know, like Twitter's quite yeah. busy. Well played, she retweeted it yeah. as well. She Had she it. put she put her own statement out, which is a shocking statement, by the way, as well. She references, you know, that basically she was a silly girl and it was seven to eight years ago. She then has the she then says about you know, uh, basically blames Photoshop. Uh, and she apologises, you know, for, for what's been said. She doesn't reference what has been said whatsoever. She doesn't reference a thing. She doesn't apologise for any sort of tweets. Well, the Photoshop, by the way. What was she talking yeah, about Photoshop? Which ones were Photoshopped as well? Come out and say which ones. If you're going to come out with stuff like that, own it. Own what you've done wrong. But not only that, she put this she put this post, this statement out, and within seconds, within seconds... She'd retweeted about 30 things, some from days ago, from what Javonta Davis was putting out, you know, just general fight comments, Tyson Fury stuff, you know, calling out yeah. Joshua, all sorts of things. She retweeted anything. So she did it to bury it. It's a case of, right, the statements, it's old school PR, really old school. Get it out there. Let's bury it. We've acknowledged it. Uh, she's just signed that big high-profile deal with Adidas. You know, she's obviously promoted by Sky and nothing's been done about it. Now, I know for a fact, after speaking with people, you know, we were close to this situation and in this industry, that there's been a hell of a lot of work going on behind the scenes to ensure that this story is not reported on. Messages have been going out to boxers and people in the industry. People are doing everything to ensure this is not reported on. And I think that's a disgrace an absolute disgrace that people are going out their way to ensure this story is buried, swept under the carpet, and Shannon can make a return next year. Good evening, Edward. I, I, I think it's a joke. And I think the way she's at, just acknowledged it, she's, she's, she's had the audacity to play the blame game, you know, Photoshop and things like that. She's acknowledged, yeah, she was stupid, but what for? What are you apologising for? You've not even acknowledged what you're apologising for. Just some old tweets. Some old tweets. I'm just trying to check. How, do we know how old Shannon is? Well, I was going to ask, actually, there's so much about what, what age she is, but what I was going to ask is really, what, what, why is she getting this big push? I mean, she's not exactly great, exciting to watch. She's no Katie Taylor. She's no like, this generational talent or anything like that. So why why, why all no, the promotions? You know, Vivian Yeah. She's a bad that's, the, that's, a, that's the woman's match I really want to see. Serafina yeah. versus Obanoff to see who can bludgeon better. Serafina went there wielding a blunt object during the week as well, wasn't she? She wasn't smoking it. She fucking cracked yeah. it on someone's head. She, she also claims she was a, um, a, what's it called? She was a teenager. No, she wasn't. She was 20. Now, I know, look, we're picking at things. But again, don't say you were a teenager and then reference these took place seven years ago when you, you're 27 now. So you would have been 20. So again, th the whole statement was a farce. She is a farce. And the industry itself, and to be fair, people have called her out on it. You know, like Alan Dawson, I know who works for Insider Sports, said, called her out and replied straight away and say, what are you apologising for and what tweets were photoshopped? 
no response, radio silence. And look, we, we've seen boxers, and I get, look, you know, what, what what Rob was saying, and I'm not a believer that sports, you know, sports people should be role models. They play a sport. It's the media that want, you know, footballers, cricketers, uh, NFL stars to be role models. Not all of them are. They're just talented at what they do. There's nothing in the contract that says you need to be a role model. That's fine. But then don't come out and, you know, like she she loves to play the, you know, oh, it's not right that people, you know, are targeting celebrities. She was the one calling fucking Vanessa Feltz a fat bitch and Anne Hegarty <laughs> off the chase, a fat slag. <laughs> you know, like calling her out for being greedy. Well, she was at one point, though. Shannon, Shannon Courtney needs to rewind the clock. I remember she was a fucking blob shop herself and fucking huge. So don't start calling people fat and stuff, you know, from a while ago. The only reason she's apologising is because she's been caught. That's the only reason why. If these tweets had hadn't have got been there and they hadn't have been spotted, she'd have been carrying on her day-to-day -day life like nothing's happened. Well, she's apologising because she's been caught and she put this just this shitty statement out and then hid it straight off the back of a huge fight and in her world, she thinks she's done everything. But the fact is, people know it's bad because they're going out of the way to ensure this is swept under the carpet. Did O'Hara Davis do any worse compared to what Sharon Courtney did? I mean, Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Well, the fucking slaughtered him, didn't they? Big style. Big time. He, he, he lost his. He, he was. He lost his management deal. He lost his promotional deal, and he had to. Re he had to return off it. What? O'Hara Davis said was completely blown out of proportion. Completely blown out, of, blown out of proportion. This now because they basically, you know, uh, blonde hair, blue eyes, bit of a looker type of thing. They want everything just to be swept under the carpet, and it's Ooh. an absolute farce. They should call her out on it and fucking bollock her for it and make an example of her. Fucking Skyron about last night. Oh yeah, we do things the right way. We're you know we're this and we're that yet they won't acknowledge a thing about this. And the fact that people are going on behind the scenes ensuring this is buried says it all. It says it all. Says it all, Rob. What you got to say about it? I don't know, man. I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm on the other side, really, like, to be honest with you. Like, I, agree, I get Oz's point and all that. Like, but again, as boxing cancel fans, culture, then we have cancel to... Cancel culture, you, basically. Well, we have to hold every fucking... Like, Manny Pacquiao said something about the gays. They were no late to go. Like, yeah. you can get a great apology from Manny. He <laughs> lost his life. Yeah, something like... He's you, reality, you're gonna, man. You're going to go back against that... And f I know she's a daft young one, like, but I'm not saying that like, she's not a racist. She probably is, but like, I prefer to know what side of the spectrum people are on. So let them say whatever they're fucking going to say, and that's it. And then I know what where they are, so I can deal with them accordingly. But I, I just think, especially in the, in the sport of boxing, like, sound like Floyd there, the sport of boxing, you know, made smart investments. But uh, I think, I, I think you it's just like it's wrong. full of flawed. Yeah, exactly. But it's full of flawed characters. Like, so you take the flaw, the flawed characters out of boxing. You're not going to have a sport. Like, take from the top down. Look at AJ. Like, we're going to hold AJ accountable for when he was an armed robber. And like, I, as much as I criticize him for being a PR robot, he is a good role model for young fellas. Like, he is a good fucking example of people that can turn it around if they get the right opportunity. Like, so I, I'm I'm hesitant to go down the road of completely slaughtering Shannon Courtney. So I know the things that she said are despicable, and I don't want to contradict myself because I'm slaughtering Billy Joe Saunders every time he comes out with some filth as well. So um, I have my own kind of moral compass, and I deal with people accordingly. And I think people would be better off doing that rather than try to look for boxers to be a, a moral guidance or something like that. That's 
that's just kind of where I'm yeah. at with a point. And, and I agree. And there's this obsession with sports stars being role models. I completely agree with that. But she fucking throws her toys at the car when you know someone gives her a bit of stick and she's like, Yeah, right. Example here. This was one of her tweets back in 2012. Diwali fireworks need to fuck off at this time of the night. Some of us have work in the morning. Hashtag disrespectful pricks. Fuck right off. Yeah, Fuck uh, yeah, right off. I get it. Like, I get it. She's doing that on New Year's Eve. She's doing that on bonfire night. Fuck off, you stupid guy. I, I get it. Stuff like that. Muslims I, I get it, us, but it's, it's because like we don't. You know what I mean? It's kind of more like we know what kind of a character she is, and that's she, she draws that attention there when she does something like that. Because Floyd said about like Manny that he was gonna. He was at home eating cats or something. He was trying to cats. <laughs> yeah, and like, and like, I, I agree. Hey, but I tell you what, at least at least Floyd's true to his word and stuff, and he doesn't really care. She's coming out now, you know, like you know, like the fucking patron saint of Essex stuff, and you know, all oh, yeah. I'm, I'm playing the role of the villain on purpose. That that was that's how he sold the fight. He played the role of the villain. And when in individual sports, you know, a lot of the times you do need that. You need a, you know, a heel or whatever you might want to call it. You know, you just need a bad guy. You need villains. Uh, it, it just helps to kind of build a uh, build a story around it, around it. But if people really are that offended, we live in market economies, and you don't have to watch when she fights. I think, uh, well, Floyd, Floyd didn't walk it back, obviously, the comments and stuff as well. But you mean, remember, remember David Hay with all the Harrison comments about, about, about the gang rape? Remember, Kate, was it Kay uh-huh. Burley on Sky News asking, you know, again on that question? He didn't apologise. He doubled down on it. If I even tripled down, and maybe even made it worse for himself uh, for some of the comments that he made and stuff. But <clears throat> end of the day, was, we've all said something fucking daft. Now. I mean, Christ's sake, I've. After something like four hundred episodes and that on this on this podcast, you can't even tell me I've not said something that's pissed somebody off. It's, yeah, but mate, you'd, you'd have the you know, you'd have the ball to put your hand up and say, "Yeah, fine, that was me. I admit I said those things." She had no acknowledgement of what she actually said. She just said some tweets. Well, what tweets? Did she then have the audacity to say there was photoshops and they were photoshopped again, passing the blame game? She, she's a hypocrite. And the way it was just, like I said, a statement was released. The whole situation stinks. And the worst thing is, though, is that people behind the scenes are supporting her and are trying to bury this. That's the thing that grates me more than anything, is that, you know, people are being made, you know, to try and delete that. We don't want people seeing it. I'm thinking, whoa, hang on. What's this about here? Why? Why? You're under a fucking bus. So, like, hang on then. Whoa, are you condoning this? Do you want your golden girl to be fucking protected? She she loves the, you know, all about mental health and things like that. The girl, she can fuck off. I invite her onto this podcast now and we can have it out now. I'll happily have it out with her straight away. She can fuck off. She gives it the big I am and wants all this publicity. Now she's got a bit, bit of publicity because it's not going her way. It's completely backfired. And she puts some shitty-ass statement out and then hides it, going on a serial retweet mission. So it's just buried, and then that'll but be I, it. This will again, not go like away. I, There's too many people involved, and this will not go away. But again, like it's like it's like if you judge people by your own standards, then you're either going to be surprised or cruelly disappointed. Like, And we kind of judge them on... You know, being professional, but like in my experience, professionals are some of the most unscrupulous people in the world. Like, I they only give a shit about the bottom line. If she didn't sell tickets, they'd have fired her out of sky last night on air. 
but it's because she has the straw and when the piano drops and she's got the Adidas deal and all that. It's just economics, like, isn't it? It's just boxes things from the inside she, out. But she handmade like, hand saying or claiming that she's used the N-word in the past and stuff. I'm, I've never seen that, to be honest, because uh, I'm assuming that if, uh, if that had been the case, I would have probably seen that far far earlier. But Rob's just dropped off a call on that. Um, you know, we've had problems this week. Uh, Matty's sound would be the greatest. It's been... He's, we still held up no bad there in the last 10 minutes and stuff, but we're going to end the call here running about now. So uh, just to thank all the guys for coming on and stuff. Uh, cheers for everyone who called in, especially last night and tonight. Uh, we Christmas special coming out for you guys, you, you, you listeners, you subscribers, especially on Patreon, iTunes and all the places and stuff, YouTube. Uh, keep an eye out Christmas Day. Ooh. We've got a wee present for you coming out on Christmas Day, so uh, that will be hitting all the usual spaces and that as well. Um what we'll a Christmas back. day that's going to be, by the way. It's Christmas Aye. day with us. Fuck it, hell, man. Get your turkey on. Ah, well, I'll not be on live that night. Fuck that. Carry on. Uh, no, but so as I say, Zio, Steve... Don't need... it, though. Fuck's sake. You have to give it a game away now, man. We're like the fucking... We're like Steve, the tattoos. Steve will be back next week and that, obviously. We'll have the, the breakdown of all, all the fights and stuff like that. But um, a shout out to Matty and that, obviously, for, for standing in there. Uh, Ozzy for coming on, Rob Spiddle for a wee bit. I think it was, uh, I forgot your mate. Yeah, the other guy's name is Stephen. Stephen Lynch. Lynch, Lynch. Stephen Lynch. Cheers for that, mate. You made some good points in that as well. So uh, thanks a lot for that. Um, Hamid, no Hamid. Uh, Chuck was doing a lot of fucking, you know, banging in the chat and stuff like that. Look, mate, <laughs> the, I stepped week, in, the weekly, the weekly Chuck will show down. I literally at fucking no, no notice second here because Matty's got fucking technical problems. That. So what the fuck do you expect me to do here, right? I'm leading as best as possible. So, anyways, we're going to be ending it here. Maybe I'll be week this week, and that's will be a massive show next week. Loads of fights to discuss. Uh, we'll probably break down the Japanese fight between Ioka and um, Tanaka, which is the big fight for the end of the year and stuff like that. So, if you didn't, if you didn't join us, have a good Christmas, and we'll see you next week. All the best. Ooh. Sports Social Podcast Network. <laughs>